Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brandon Miracle. If you look below me in the video version of the podcast, you'll see the beautiful face of Paul Anderson. Howdy. In case you were unsure, he's the one in the red hat with the wooden background. (laughs) Do I need to be any more clear? And if you look uh, this way in the video podcast, you'll see the beautiful face of our friend Logan. Hello. This is the second episode of the Breakdown Podcast. If you joined us last week, we talked about our favorite anime, movies, video games, and everything that we did last week. So that's what we're going to do this week. Um, Whoa. Just a couple of things that we're going to be talking about here in the future. We'll be talking about the future of Nintendo in 2018. We'll be talking about some of the movies we watched over the past week, such as Black Panther and Looking for Ms. Locklear. Um, some of the anime that we've been watching, one big one that Paul and I are really big fans of, Shokugeki no Soma, and we'll be talking about a project that I'll be working on starting right after the show's over today, so look forward to that. Um, Just to get us started, um, you can find us on our little Twitter handles right below our camera names. You can find us on Breakroom Arcade at Twitter in the bottom right corner. And after the broadcast is over, probably an hour or two later, you'll be able to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are available on podcast services from now on. Um, And more. (laughs) And more. Um, So, to kick things off, uh, I watched Drive for the first time over the last week. Um, For those of you who don't know, I'm a big, (laughs) big fan of Ryan Gosling. And you haven't seen that before? No, that was my first time. I could have sworn we yeah, watched it I'm together. actually really I'm, surprised that you haven't. I've never seen Drive before. Um, I'm so sorry we failed you. <laughs> I knew about Drive. I knew about Drive before I knew about Ryan Gosling. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually watched it with my wife, and I watched it with uh, Devin, who's a friend of the show. Um, that movie is just so impressive. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little strange seeing that film after having seen uh, Baby Driver. Um, which kind of follows a pretty similar um, plot structure, though they're two very different movies. Uh, Drive is a much darker film overall. Um, Ryan Gosling is absolutely fantastic in that movie. Um, He's a beautiful man. In the second half of the film, you get to see like a really dark, gritty, just cutthroat Ryan Gosling. He plays the part so well. Um, there's there's one part where he's like hovering over a woman with a knife, and he's just He's talking super calmly to her, but it's the most menacing and threatening thing. Uh, (laughs) If you don't tell me the things that I need to know, I'm going to hurt you. (laughs) Just so casual, so quiet, but oh, so cool. I absolutely loved it. Um, One thing that I was really surprised about is because Drive is a movie about a guy who is a getaway driver who is also at some point going to be a race car driver who also has the ability to fix cars pretty well. So you see like all these different aspects of the way he drives um, and how they kind of intertwine and um, become like the cornerstone of his life. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but the surprising thing is like you don't actually see a whole lot of him doing the getaway driving. There's a, an instance in the beginning of the movie where you see him do a uh, do like a heist and then you don't see him do it again until, like, the last act of the movie. Um, I just thought that was really cool. If you look at Baby Driver, it's just heist, 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 heist. Um, so it's a really neat contrast. Uh, you get to see a lot more about Ryan Gosling's character just as a regular person outside of his crime life. Um, and you really grow an appreciation for him, even though you know he's kind of a bad person. <laughs> There's also all these Seeing good him interact things. with the other characters is, like, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
going with your comparison to like Baby Driver, one of the things that like first struck me when I watched that the first time was the use of music. And it's not quite to Baby Driver's level. I don't think they necessarily um, did as much, put as much into like uh, choreographing like everything that's going on to the music. Mm-hmm. But that show or that movie has such a beautiful soundtrack that I love so much that I I haven't bought it. But it's been on my list of like movie soundtracks to buy for since I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely have to to pick up the movie at least. Um, the soundtrack didn't stand out stand out to me as much as you. I think it it more played just kind of its backing role to me than it did anything else. Um, it sets the tone really yeah. well. Yeah, it's not quite as I. I and here's the thing: I haven't seen like Baby Driver, but I am aware <laughs> of how like integrated the soundtrack is into that experience um and whereas the soundtrack in drive is much more just just creating an atmosphere for this movie to exist within yeah um gotta give a real big shout out to ryan gosling's stellar performance as usual um i've seen ryan gosling in several movies now this is going to be a contender probably for one of my favorite roles I've seen him in. Um, that man's got range. Yeah, he does. I uh, can't wait to see where his career goes going forward. I think he's doing a movie soon where he plays an astronaut. And uh, as Ryan oh Gosling's number one Man Crush fan, I'll be first in line to see that. <laughs> um, so Sci-fi and Ryan Gosling. Mm. It's like a beautiful little mesh of ideas and, and things. Um so yeah, those are my thoughts on Drive. Uh, Paul and I watched a movie together. Was that last weekend or the weekend before? That was last weekend, I think, Saturday? My sense of time is, like, gone. Yeah, so <laughs> for, we've recently become fans of uh, Rhett and Link. Uh, we're I, mythical beasts. We're mythical beasts now. So I was watching an episode of Good Mythical Morning just kind of out of curiosity one day, and I was like, man, this is really fun. And I was like, Paul... Rhett and Link have a morning show. You should watch it. And he was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And then we've been watching it ever since. It helps that, like, every morning I'm struggling to find something to do at work. And so it just feels like the first hour when I get into the office, I sit at my computer, I watch Rhett and Link, and I get ready for the day. It's the best way to start the morning. Yeah, they upload their episodes every morning at, like, 6 a.m., whatever their time is. Pacific, I think. Um, I mean, it's up there way before I even get into work at 6. So. Yeah, and it's it's always there. Um, it's a, like a three-segment show, almost half an hour long. Um, hello in the chat. And, you know, they just, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I work in the news business, and for the first, I want to say, six months of my career, I spent um, working on the morning show. So uh, getting to see a morning show that just kind of has no rules and kind of does whatever it wants, um, it's really fun. Uh, Rhett and Link, you know, they just kind of do whatever comes to mind. Whatever the mythical crew decides they're going to do that day, they're always game for it. Well, they're usually game for it. (laughs) Um, I mean, they're spectacular at doing things that, like, you know that they don't want to. Yeah. They just do it anyway because they're committed to us, the fans. They are. (laughs) You know, Link is a really picky eater, and he has to eat cockroaches and all other kinds of substances that he doesn't know what they are before he eats them. And it's always funny. It's never not funny. Um, So Rhett and Link, they met in first grade, and they were brought together by their first grade teacher, Ms. Locklear. 
and they kind of attribute their entire careers to that encounter with their teacher. Um, so about 10 years ago, maybe a little earlier, they came together and they made a documentary called Looking for Ms. Locklear. And the premise of Looking for Ms. Locklear is that they are going to search for their first grade teacher, who they haven't seen since you know they were in the first grade. But the way that they're going to do it is without using internet sources, they're only going to be searching via word of mouth. <laughs> so they met strangers, they'd ask them if they knew Ms. Locklear, and um, it's basically that journey. And you meet some of the craziest cats in this movie. Uh, <laughs> Just to just to uh, give you some context here, they're from I think South Carolina, North Carolina. I I think South. I could be that wrong. That sounds right to me, but I don't remember one hundred percent. It's one of those. I mean, it's it's a really really small town, and so as you can imagine, going from person to person in this small community, you meet really interesting people. And like the best thing about this movie was that they. <laughs> They make an impact. Like, they left an impression. I will not forget most of those characters for as long as I live. Yeah, like, I think the first person they meet is, uh, I think his name is Sam. And, uh, <laughs> <Sam>. <laughs> he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like he's all there. Um, they basically show up to this guy's house and they're like, can you help us find our first grade teacher, Ms. Locklear? And, uh, he sees the camera and basically dude just starts playing to the camera. You know, he starts dancing, telling him about how he used to be a singer and how he's got records. Um, he had a hit in uh, a European country, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he comes up with this great idea, this absolutely stunning, unbelievable idea to help them find their first grade teacher. He says, I got these puppies. We're going to put these puppies in my pickup truck and we're going to drive down to each house and we're going to give people the puppies. And he just kind of stops there. And Rhett and Link really don't know what to do with that. So we're gonna we're gonna drive to house house to house, and we're gonna give people puppies, and then we're gonna ask them about Ms. Locklear. It's a great idea. <laughs> and then the most like unsafe way to go about it too. Rhett's in the bed of the pickup truck, and my favorite was Link was on a lawnmower on a um, trailer being pulled by the pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> And this is like every time you stop to think about how all of this was true to life, this is just what happened to them while they were on this journey. Um, it really sets the stage for a really fun, surprisingly heartfelt um, film about them searching for their first grade teacher. Um, it's only available in standard definition. You can rent it on Amazon. You can also buy it on DVD. Um, but uh, even if you're not like fans of Rhett and Link, I think there's a lot to love about this this movie. Um, it's really sweet, and it's only about an hour and a half long. It didn't seem that long when we watched it. No. So I would I would highly recommend that to someone who's looking to have a good feel and feel for like an hour or two. <laughs> it's a documentary, so I mean you don't necessarily. Um, it's a Rhett and Link documentary. I think that that should sell it. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much uh, sets the bar right exactly where you expect it to be. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh. Okay, I talked about what I watched. What did anybody else watch? Uh, I didn't watch a ton, um, a ton this week. <laughs> I mostly just kind of like I worked a lot this week, so you know I just spent a lot of time, um, you know, playing games and 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 doing doing some other 
projects to to get ready for specifically this we've all um, been in that same exact boat right yeah pretty much i did um i don't know i know there's one thing that i watched that we all watched and then we're all waiting to talk about um we'll get to that right uh is there anything that you've watched paul specifically the only thing that i've watched outside of looking for miss locklear was um i went back and watched avengers age of ultron i'm getting to a point where i started fusing age of ultron with civil war <laughs> and like i couldn't <laughs> differentiate them and civil war i saw like three or four times since theaters where age of ultron the last time i saw it was when it was in theaters and so i figured hey it is time to go back and remember what this movie is about and it um actually surprised me because i kind of like i assumed that since i hadn't seen it since it was in theaters that it wasn't like as good as civil war but like a lot of the humor and character interactions are fantastic <laughs> like it's a really solid film more solid than i remember it being and i i didn't think it would hold up after civil war but it really does yeah, to be honest, I honestly have not seen the movie since I saw it in theaters myself. Um, I there's, I hardly remember it, to be completely honest. There's only, like, two scenes in my mind that I can remember, and uh, that's the Avengers sitting around drinking, and I remember a big, like, part of town suspended in air, maybe. Yeah. I, like, one thing that threw me off is I remember that fight with, like, hulk and the uh hulkbuster iron man armor oh yeah yeah being in civil war <laughs> oh no hulk's not I've even seen in that, civil war <laughs> yeah i've seen that fight so many times like beyond age of ultron um thanks to greenville college and their audio department doing um like replacing the sound effects in that fight <laughs> and so like i remember that fight and that's like probably the most prominent memory i have from age of ultron until now yeah i didn't see age of ultron in theaters i watched it at a later point um and honestly like you could probably tell me something that happened in age of ultron and i'd be like okay well i remember that but like sitting here like i can't really remember what exactly happened i know certain things that happened in civil war because i really enjoyed civil war um but age of ultron just kind of seems like a forgettable like, film it's yeah it seems yeah. really really forgettable especially in light of some of the more recent marvel films most notably thor ragnarok i absolutely absolutely love that film i loved um i mean and it's i don't know it's a, it's what i expected uh specifically from the that director uh who previously directed one of my favorite films of all time which is uh what we do in the shadows right uh taika taika watiti or something like that um but he's just he's a fantastic director he's got a great sense of humor and that that really showed through Thor ragnarok so i mean just in comparison i feel like oh, age yeah, of ultron no. like it, it has um it has a harder time because you have more characters that you're dealing with versus like thor it's easier because i guess thor did have kind of a bigger cast they've definitely like expanded but you have a lot of really big names that you need to have that's 
you know, front and center screen time, and you have to kind of cycle through that and balance that. And Age of Ultron does that incredibly well. It's just, I don't know. I think it definitely got overshadowed by titles that came after. Yeah, it's like it it couldn't really find its footing. It couldn't find its identity. You know, Civil War, there's that idea. And it's, it's you know, Civil War at its heart is a, a Captain America movie. Um, and and it, it really sells that. It's like, okay, this is a story about Captain America and, and what he's doing. Thor Ragnarok, obviously. It's like, oh, Thor. And it's also just a really, really unique entry uh, within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um yeah i just felt like age of ultron it almost felt like it didn't it couldn't really stand on its own when i watched it uh that's that's one thing i remember walking away from watching that movie and just feeling like you know i feel like i wouldn't have any reason to watch this movie if it hadn't been for all of these other movies previously you age know? of ultron kind of reminds me of the uh, s- uh, similar feelings i have with the legend of zelda twilight princess um, which to me is a very forgettable game, and I'm sorry if you love Twilight Princess. It's I think it's a great game. It's just in in the same vein as Age of Ultron. It doesn't do anything unique enough to set it apart from its predecessor, um, the original Avengers movie, the original Ocarina of Time. Because Twilight Princess is just Ocarina of Time again, and in my mind, Age of Ultron is just Avengers again, instead of uh, being anything more wholly unique. Um, then again, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, and, in the, and again, in a similar vein, it had been a long time since I played Twilight Princess. So playing Twilight Princess on the Wii U, I was, I, you know, I gained a better appreciation for that game because um, I got to play it again, remind myself of yeah. the things I did love about it, and uh, maybe I'll have that experience if I watch Age of Ultron again soon. I think you will. I think it definitely, like, despite being kind of that forgettable Marvel film, it does... It, it's a group. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta collect my thoughts here. It's it's still solid. Like the character interactions, the, despite having to balance all these major stars, they it does it surprisingly well. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just it's it might be too familiar. Is is, is its problem? Um, like Logan said, when you when you look at Civil War, Civil War is a really standout point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, just because it's the only movie like it. Um, it. You could almost call it an Avengers movie, and I think it does Avengers better than maybe uh, Age of Ultron did the first time. Um, I would definitely agree with that, especially since I couldn't differentiate the two in my mind. Yeah. Um, and I think things will get better. We're looking at Infinity War, and Infinity War definitely seems like it's going to be the Avengers movie. Um, hopefully that doesn't fall short. I don't think it will. Um, yeah, I think you've inspired me to go back and rewatch Age of Ultron, Paul. Please do. Please yeah, do. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I, I kind of fell out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, as of late, and there's actually still a few more of the recent movies that I haven't watched. Um, but I feel like, you know, having this conversation has made me more, more all the more intrigued like maybe i should just gather up a list of all the movies and kind of just you know over um a period of time just kind of rework through them and and figure out how i how i feel about them because i mean definitely i think with um thor ragnarok got me really excited about the universe again um and then with that trailer that they dropped uh, not too long ago for infinity war that was also like oh 
wow i'm like really excited um and then i know there's spider-man homecoming which honestly should have been a um a movie that i've already seen we now should have watched like, it when you were here i have it on blu-ray i know Why? i we're know failing you man i'm so sorry Logan. and that's funny because like i sat down with myself the other day and i i had a talk i said logan who's your favorite superhero and and i just i had to really clarify this is my spider-man hands down is my favorite superhero i don't know what it is i think you know it's partially that that feeling of he's not too overpowered you know and i think that's true for most superheroes mm -hmm. uh but he's kind of like he's generally this kid he's younger um he's witty he's funny also the web slinging like you know and i i think I think this honestly goes back mostly to the fact that um, in 2003-2004, when the Spider-Man 2 movie tie-in video game came out on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, I played the heck out of that game, and I, you know, you'll hear me talk about it again and again and again. This won't be the first time I mention this game because that is like one of the most formative video game experiences I've ever had is with that game. So. Spider-Man's like one of my favorites. So it, it it doesn't make sense, honestly, that I haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Sounds like. Because <laughs> it's my favorite freaking superhero. Honestly, I'd say right now is the time to kind of go back and kind of watch through all those movies from start to finish. I mean, it's been 10 years now, right? Yeah, they just had their 10 year a couple weeks ago. I mean, I'm forgetting a lot of things from just phase one. And I mean, now we're on phase three and so far, like all these movies in phase three have been incredibly solid. Um, they're very, they're all very different from one another. They might be the best selection of the entire um, series thus far. I think it's because like for the first time we're getting different heroes. It's not Iron Man 4. It's not, well, I mean, it's Captain America and Thor, but <laughs> I mean, it's not the same. Well, Thor is getting a second chance. lineup the same. <laughs> Yeah, Thor deserved it. I didn't necessarily care for the first two. Yeah, it's funny. Okay, yeah. so I saw the first Thor film, but I've never watched Dark World. I I just knew that like it was so like unremarkable. It's kind of a movie. If I if yeah, I would have watched Thor, I probably wouldn't have watched Thor two. <laughs> like I I hate to say it, but Thor just like upsets me so greatly as like a creative, because all they do is like they tilt the camera and then they just dolly it in <laughs> and it's the like Dutch dolly it's if all that's all you got if that's all you can do to like make this visually impressive i'm quit please for the love of god just quit what you're doing i'm there's no hope for you <laughs> okay well paul how did you feel about ragnarok then i loved ragnarok okay okay like, good visually it the visuals are there like it's a very visually impressive film um, the characters were there. It was very well written. All the interactions were fantastic. Um, even the music. I love that, like, would that be 80s kind of electronic? Yeah, I was kind of going for that vibe. Anything with that just instantly sold. They also kind of, like, steered Thor as a character in a new direction, but they've kind of been building towards this. Uh, they've been, like, dropping videos just on the internet of Thor with his uh, apartment roommate. And uh, they've kind of been building towards this new sarcastic, sassy Thor um, that That's we get the in Thor, Thor Ragnarok. I yeah, 
It's uh, so he's it's a, a lot I'm more personable. I'm glad to see that that's finally the one we get. You know, you look at the first movie, and the first movie, Thor is just, oh man, I'm this guy from another world who needs to get used to this new world. We've done this a lot of times. But they do that again in Thor Ragnarok. Um, but they bring Thor's personality to the forefront and um, make that experience in a new world kind of the background um, uh, the background plot. Uh, and I think they meshed that a lot better than they did the first time. Yeah. Oh, and also My having with Hulk that. as a buddy... Like the, just making it like a buggy cop movie almost, <laughs> super solid. We need we and need more Hulk and do it like that. That actually, um, that's one of the things that every time Hulk is on screen that's bugged me to this point is Hulk is always used as like this rage monster, and all you get is this mindless like destruction machine, and that's not the Hulk that I love. Um, before like they really, I think before the original Avengers dropped. Um, I went and watched, I think it was um, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes on Disney XD. And that series is fantastic. If you guys haven't seen that, I highly recommend. Like, if you really want to uh, learn more about these characters and their origins and kind of see them interact some more in a very um, lighthearted and fun way to watch that cartoon. Um, it's also very serious and can get heavy at certain points. But um, the uh, the characters in that are just like it made me really love these characters and so a lot of times in the cinematic universe it hasn't quite lived up to these characters that i know and love from the cartoon and one of those places is with the hulk the hulk in that hulk in that movie has taken over kind of like he does in uh ragnarok where it's just the hulk's personality but he talks and he engages the other avengers and it's just a lot of fun <laughs> having this giant super strong um man kind of in this apartment with the other heroes, you know, he's a teddy bear. <laughs> exactly, and I like I like the I like the Hulk having that personality and engaging the other or other members, not just I'm Hulk and smash, and that's it. <laughs> we'll probably see a lot more of that um, in Avengers of uh, Avengers Infinity War coming up in May, um, so definitely look forward to that. Um, if we're finished up with Age of Ultron, we should probably move into another Marvel movie that we all saw recently. Oh, yeah. Um, so we saw Black Panther on opening weekend. Well, Paul and I did. Logan, you saw it in the I week? I did as well. Okay, cool. So we all saw Black Panther um, on opening weekend. Um, I had a really good time with that movie um, just right out of the gate. Um, I had... Man... I just like Black... For one thing, I really like Black Panther's outfit, so whenever I see him on screen in that outfit, I'm like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> he's all black, and he's a panther. Um, and I think his powers are really cool, so um, at some point he gets a suit where like, he can absorb kinetic energy and then burst it back out. I was like, yep, I want more of that. Give me more of that. That's really cool. Um, There's only one thing his suit was missing for me. Um, in the cartoon, he can turn invisible, or he can blend in. He goes camo. And, like, so he'll, I think the first, like, four or five episodes of that show, he's just, like, hiding in walls in, like, the corner, just kind of observing. And it's act, it's really cool to have him just, like, show up out of nowhere and then disappear and then come back and whatnot. And I really wish that he could do that in this movie. They might play with that more, like, in the future. Like, the Spider-Man Homecoming, they didn't use the Spidey Sense at all. But in the trailer yeah. for Infinity War, they're like, here's your Spidey Sense. <laughs> Yeah, I, I that's what I was thinking is, you know, I obviously I'm 
I'm not like a huge comic book nut. I don't know like a ton about the past of these characters. It's something that has always been in the back of my mind, something that I've wanted to do, but I just haven't got around to do it. Uh, but I imagine that at least within the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they don't want to like play all their cards right off the bat. You know, they want to introduce yeah. it. Like, you know, Black Panther has been a small role in some uh, previous movies. Uh, I think most notably for me it was like Civil War. He was in there for a little bit. Um, and again, they added something with this movie. They added that whole kinetic energy because they had a reason to. It's all of a sudden now yeah. he's the the titular character in this movie. And okay, well, we want him to have one, at least one other really cool thing other than just like, hey, we're going to explain like where his powers came from, which I also thought was really cool. You know, sometimes like, you know, with Spider-Man, it's like, oh, I got bit by a sp radioactive spider and now I'm spider. And then other people do like other crazy things. I'm rich and um, I built this tricked out suit. <laughs> <laughs> and then with Black Panther, it's like, oh, there's this like, you know, uh, herb or whatever that we prepare. And then it's we like only a allow passage. it right right and so but we keep it you know to that one person mm -hmm. like we don't let anybody else have it you know well, the cool thing about that too is that it's it isn't necessarily limited to the one person um at any point someone well i guess not in the movie as much but people can challenge him for that power and he has to face them without it which is a very interesting dynamic that this hero might not always be this one person that we know and love and they played that concept a couple times in the movie itself. Um, and I, I, I guess I'll just mention those scenes really quick. Um, you know, they're, they're like on the pond and they have this big like stone structure that, you know, all the people of uh, Wakanda are standing on watching the fight. I thought that was really cool. Just like they have like this really cool badass stadium. Um, it's really vertical. Um, and, you know, I've never really seen anything like that. I thought that was cool design. Yeah. Speaking of design, uh, costumes are... <laughs> they spend a lot of time on the costumes. Top notch. Um, just so much variety in the character designs. Um, just my eyes didn't really know what to stop looking at because there was so much new things that I've never seen before. I'm like, ooh, that's cool. Ooh, that's cool. Oh, man, look at that guy. He's got a big old lip. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it really felt like and then i i think this is a, a continuing trend you know it felt like for a bit there um within the marvel cinematic universe that they were kind of just like churning out movies so they mm -hmm. didn't really have much heart they were just kind of like putting them out there um yeah. but i think somebody along uh the line realized you know, maybe we should try a little bit harder. Maybe we should put a little bit more heart. Maybe we should think about uh, who we're getting to do these mu uh, movies. Uh, so, I mean, obviously for, for Black Panther, um, you cannot deny uh, the overwhelming blackness in this movie, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I, I think, I, I don't know who was responsible for this, but... Um, but they knew what they were doing. They were getting the right people involved who, who knew how to use the material and, and knew how to handle it in such a way 
um, that really did the movie justice. And I think that's true for, for, for like Thor Ragnarok. They're like, hey, let's get some really interesting people to do some really interesting and, and you know, potentially progressive things, you know, whether it be the way you do your movie or how you handle issues within the movie. Um, and it feels like they're taking a lot more care. And, and it pays off because we're getting better movies. At least that's what it feels like. And more interesting movies and movies that people are more excited about and obviously it's good for a brand so um they have every motivation to i'm just glad that it's finally happening that i, I feel like we're actually getting you know the love and care that you know some of these movies really deserve and and that's definitely um very very much true for black panther well from like a social perspective when you look at what this um this movie means to a lot of people um, Marvel really like stepped in and said this movie is already on a super accessible high platform a lot of people are already kind of come see this movie um, we have a group of people who need to be represented and they need to be represented justly um, and I, I feel like you know really good on Marvel for taking advantage of their voice taking advantage of that platform that they've already established and uh, giving these people a movie that they can uh, they feel really proud of yeah, and, and it's funny because, like, obviously, um, we're all white. Um, yeah. But there was something that I could see about how the movie, you know, handled itself. That was, it was just a good movie. Anybody could enjoy it. Um, and it was really endearing, and there was a lot of heart. And I walked out feeling very, like, emotionally lifted. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I just, you know, got to experience that movie, you know? And it was just... It just it felt right it, it felt right and and there's still i feel like i need to watch it at least a second time before i really get into the nitty-gritty or, or you know really develop my opinion on it uh but you know what i can say for sure is that it's it's just an enjoyable movie it's a great experience um anywhere from you realize that the protagonist is not you know he's he's he can he's not overpowered you know and then all of a sudden the antagonist is it's almost like um you know he was was he was like the cousin of yeah. um the main character and mm. and i just love how all that got worked in and i i don't know i don't this know movie it just has felt good. some really fantastic characters like I, the one complaint that I really have about this movie is that we, if there's not more Michael B. Jordan in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, I will be so upset because oh, he, he did a phenomenal job. Like I, <laughs> the uh, the guy who played Black Panther, I forget his name, but like he was he was good, but he wasn't Michael B. Jordan good. <laughs> You're the villain role outclassed everybody else in this movie. Michael B. Jordan, man, he brought it absolutely brought it um it helps that his background is very um relatable would it, you connect with him you feel for him you definitely mm -hmm. like you can see where he's coming from and that's one of the great things about this film is like when you take a step back and like think about just what the story was you have this super advanced nation that is posing as like the third world country to kind of hide just how like developed they are and just like that that internal struggle within them like what should we help can we help without risking ourselves how do we balance taking care of us while also helping other people 
and that's just a really interesting struggle to me. It's not it's as It's also very topical. Um, we've had a lot of hurricanes in the past year, and um, our administration has been receiving a lot of uh, criticism for not necessarily reaching out and helping those yeah. people, even if those people technically belong to us. Like uh, Haiti, for instance, has been going, well, has always been going through tough struggles, um, but we just like, we don't bat an eye. And they're our own people. Yeah. You mean Puerto Rico? Or, yeah, but, well, Haiti's had trouble, too, in the past year, haven't they? Well, yeah, Haiti has trouble, but I, I think... More I, recently, I Puerto Rico, the, yeah. The context there, anyway. Yeah, but... Yeah, and that was really cool, and um, I'm, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but uh, one thing I would like to say is... Um, I always find it funny when I go see a Marvel movie because there's certain expectations for format. And and one of those expectations is that there is going to be a post-credits scene, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there and, and I'm sitting with Johnny. Me and Johnny went and saw it. And the credits start to roll and everybody starts clapping like they do at the end of all these movies. And people start to leave. And I was like, <laughs> do you not care? Do you not? There's a post. We actually scene um, that, at our chances... theater, there was a dude who stopped other people from leaving. Mm -hmm. He was like shouting out to other people, like, "Hey, there's a post credit scene, guys!" <laughs> he <laughs> was like, an old man doing? too, so it was even better. <laughs> and um, and actually, that was one of the most fascinating things about the movie is because, um, you know, something significant happened in this post credit scene. Um, it, about you know the the stance of uh, Wakanda. Uh, in the global setting so mm -hmm. it's it was almost like a declaration it's like oh black panther is going to be much more present in the mcu uh you know following this movie and and actually that's one of the most exciting things is i i wonder how this occurrence in this movie will move the um move the mcu forward and how it will change it quick hi dylan <laughs> I see they joined our uh, stream down there. Also, hi, Logan. I miss you if you're still here. <laughs> My old roommate. Oh, their um, chat's not appearing in the box. It's on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll fix that later. I want to pose a quick question, and I'm. it's something that I've kind of been wrestling with following it. I want to start by saying that I, I do love this film, and I do love socially what it's done. Um, but walking away, like... Well, going into it, I felt like a lot of the conversation about it, um, a lot of the buzz it generated was strictly around the social aspect of what it was achieving, and not necessarily as much on the fact that it was a good film. <laughs> and so, like, to some degree, I felt like I was supposed to go in and walk away having seen something that, like, will always be a timeless classic, kind of like, um, crap, what was my example? Um, the Princess Bride. I mean, no one can really see that movie and like leave saying that it was an awful movie. Or like, even now, people can see it and still relate to it and still love it. Um, and I just personally, I will not give that kind of status to any Marvel movie. Like, they're not going to be a classic in like the traditional sense. Like, a hundred years from now, I'm not going to go back and. I don't think they're going to still be as fantastic in a hundred years, you know? Well, I, I think in the case of Marvel, um, 
they're classics as a collective and not individually yeah that's exactly what i was thinking i was i was thinking like you know there are definitely some of those movies that are much much better than than the other ones but no none of the movies so far in and of themselves have been like wow like this is such an incredible movie like this is Mm -hmm. better than any of the movies that came out this year and we'll remember this one forever but as a collective as the mcu people will be like well i have the entire collection you know and so let's go and sit through all these movies you know after it's been finished who knows when the mcu will end and or when it ever will reboot it or something like that it's a milestone as what is um in terms of what it's achieved as a collective, um, I can't think of any other example where you have this collective of movies yeah. that all string together in one coherent story. Um, as far as like Hollywood experiments go, this is one of the most successful things I think that Hollywood has ever done. Yeah, I mean, it's, just it's like on the ambitious. individual level, I, I agree completely that like the collection as a whole is very significant and has that kind of status. But like walking away from it, having people kind of sold it as like this um individual classic i left disappointed in in what ways like i was expecting to agree with that sentiment you know this movie by itself will just it's a classic and i didn't really share that like i still think it's a great movie but i feel like to some degree it was overhyped and that might just be uh, me uh, it I could also be us as white men Logan. yeah yeah we definitely won't relate to it you know in the same yeah. way that that the black community will and that's that's okay um and we're not we and shouldn't, honestly <laughs> it's not no. meant for us exactly right um but at the same time like also things that are timeless classics you can't necessarily tell right off the bat you know right yeah um you can you can if you see a really stellar movie you can see like oh my god i will remember this movie forever for this or this reason but even even then it might not become a timeless classic it might not be as well remembered as you think it deserves to be you know this is kind of an extreme example but you look at a movie like the room and that movie is awful (laughs) and it has had one of the most incredible cultural impacts like on the movie community that um you could ever you could ever see like you wouldn't expect it to have the impact that it's had um because it is a bad movie um but maybe black panther will have its own kind of cultural impact for just being a cultural um representative movie right yeah i guess Um, for me part of the problem is that i wish like this wasn't i wish it didn't have to be so culturally important i wish we would have had more of this before now it's 2018 guys like (laughs) come on Yeah, what's wrong with us um but you know despite that this is an important first step um to achieving that kind of uh normalcy um and i hope we definitely get there yeah i hope there's more standalone black panther movies so that we can keep uh that and keep those audiences that it's brought in coming back to the theater and then maybe we can spread that kind of identity out into other films John John Stewart Green Lantern. There I would go. take that movie in a heartbeat. Um, I'm still waiting for a live action Static Shock. I will always be waiting for that. And maybe we can even like Shock. extend even outside of just superhero movies. There are a lot of movies that, um, you know, 
meet this kind of standard that are you know trying to represent a people who are under, under underrepresented uh, and cater to issues that you know aren't talked about enough. Um, mm-hmm. It just happens to be in the case of superheroes that these are very popular and very big movies that just drive big crowds in the first place. Um, yeah. So we just need to find more ways to do that, maybe just outside of this as a medium. It also doesn't help that a lot of superheroes fall into like one demographic. And I mean, they've yeah. made great strides recently in terms of comics as to um, diversifying a lot, but offhand, I can't think of as many examples as I could for white male superhero. <laughs> we look at video games, um, in the case of like Overwatch, Overwatch's cast is incredibly um, culturally, uh, culturally diverse. Um, so if we do that more in video games, too, um, we like video games on the show, by the way. Um, we love them. <laughs> I, I think that would uh, that would go a long way. Yeah. So um, I think collectively we all like Black Panther. Maybe some of us more than others. Um, I am. I still love it. It's the, still yeah. like one of the more solid Marvels to date. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think currently my standing is that I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I have. There's other Marvel movies that I like more. But it's it's really good, and, and and who knows if I if I watch it again, maybe I'll I'll because you know this happens a lot. You you watch a movie a second or a third time, you pick up on things that uh, you didn't pick up on the first time because you're less focused on like how does the story go, and and because yeah. you know how the story goes, and so now you're looking at like different aspects and some of the design aspects, maybe some of the little tiny things, you know, like for example, like. Um, I plan on watching Call Me By Your Name again uh, tonight. Um, and this will, so this will be my third time watching it. And the second time, you know, I probably mentioned this last week, you know, you just, you pick up on different things and you're like, wow. And then it takes on a new meaning and it can sit uh, within you a little bit differently. And, and that can, that can drastically, drastically change how you feel about a movie watching it a second or a third time. Yeah, I definitely look forward to sitting with this movie again and again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd, honestly, I think I, I think, you know, um, I'd encourage anybody that if you sit and you watch a movie, whatever that movie may be, and you say, I liked the film, but there's something that you like, I don't know how to feel about certain things. Watch it again watch it again because chances are you'll either figure out things like well i didn't really like it that much you know because like these things well maybe they could have done these things better but uh i think more often than not if you like a film you're going to end up liking it more the second time because you pick up on all those intricacies and all that stuff and and you know i think it'll make you more knowledgeable as a moviegoer as a viewer uh and it just enhances your experience it just it makes a movie that much uh, more endearing, especially if it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most incredible things about film is that, like, as time goes on, you change, and that changes your perception of it. So you go back and watch a movie again later, you'll have a different perspective, and it'll change the movie entirely for you. That's kind of all media, but still. <laughs> I love right, how right. Like, time changes media for you. Yeah, it's like when you, it's like okay. For example, when you're a child, um, and I was a child. Let's, uh, I'll make this. Whoa! Story, right. Uh, when I was a child, I, I once had a. I have a past. 
Um, and <laughs> when no I was way. a kid, I would watch uh, the movie <laughs> Baby Geniuses. And I loved it. I loved that movie as a kid. And um, I remember not, not, not terrible, maybe a year or two ago, somebody made a post about baby geniuses being like this pile of crap, like <laughs> glorious pile of crap. Like they had fond memories of it, but it's a terrible movie. And then you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it has like 2%. <laughs> like, it's just, it's an awful movie. If you watched it, you know, knowing what we know about movies now and how they're constructed and how they, you know, here's what a good movie looks like. Here's what a bad movie looks like. You watch the movie again, you're like, oh, Oh, that was awful. But then as a kid, like, it doesn't matter. You just see babies talking. You're like, that's hysterical. Oh, they're super <laughs> smart. And you see something in that and you relate to it for whatever reason. But then you go back and you realize it's not good. But it's like, I'll go back and I'll watch bad movies. You know, it just oh, yeah. because a movie is is good or bad, you know, it's, it feels like it's independent of how much I enjoy any given movie. I can enjoy a bad film. I can be like, that was a great time. That was bad movies are all. They're a lot of fun. If, like depending on who you're with, like if we all three of us sat down and watched Baby Genius, we'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's certain <laughs> movies like we you should. just talk through the entire thing. Uh, you know, specific cult classic, <laughs> uh, specifically something like The Room. You know, they have regular showings at like smaller theaters around the country. And they have like all these different callbacks, you know, like there's parts um, in the room where you'll go to showings and people just like take plastic spoons and they'll throw them at the screen, you know, like at the same time, like I, we watched, I remember the first time I watched the room was in a group setting and we kept pausing the film to laugh about things, to say stupid things about it. Or like, how does this make sense? Just analyzing in that way. And oh, it's such a great time. It's such a great time. And that's that's really what makes, I think that makes anything, is, is being, being able to talk about movies, being able to talk about video games, laugh about them, rip on them, appreciate certain things about them. As long as there's people to talk to, you know, um, you, can, you can enjoy almost anything. It's a mindset. And that's, it really is. That's kind of what the podcast serves as, too, is this is an outlet for us to have these kinds of conversations. And if you're out there and you're watching these, please feel free to, to talk to, back to us about these things as well. Um, your uh, chats will appear below us in the video version, um, so you can see your chats on screen, and we'll see them and be able to interact with you as well. Um, also, hit us up on Twitter anytime. Tell us what you're watching, that kind of deal. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we're only human. Like, we can only digest so much. And then there's also only so much in my realm of influence. I mean, I think the vast majority of things that I've ever listened to or watched has been from some sort of recommendation. So whether I'm online and lots of people are talking about it or a friend is saying like, hey, watch this movie. You know, there are certain like foreign films that I never would have touched if it wasn't for, you know, certain acquaintances and friends, you know, going to going to college and being like, hey, this is a really good film. It's like I never in my entire life. If you were not in my life, I would not have watched this film. Wow, that was a that went so much deeper than I was expecting for our movie talk this week. Um, oh yeah. Uh, are there any other movies that we've seen thus, thus far that we need to mention? I don't know. I think that's a really good place to to wrap up the movie discussion. 
Okay. Um, well, we can go ahead and move into our anime discussion. Um, Logan, before Paul and I start, have you watched any anime this week? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Uh, actually, <laughs> yes. Start. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I've been playing catch-up on Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, break it down for us. Hey. Okay, so uh, I am currently in the Goku Black arc. I think I have one more episode to catch up on. And actually, after today, after this podcast, I'll probably have another one to catch up on tomorrow. Um, so currently, what has happened is... Uh, trunks came <laughs> they keep saying oh i gotta go back to the future and i was like <laughs> why did they like they couldn't have changed that line a little like okay i have to i don't know how else they would frame it but i just you know it, it's, it's too uh it's too stuck in the ways you know yeah right <laughs> nothing there's no other way to describe going back to the future than back to the future right um but they it, the the next episode started off with oh okay hey this goku right here isn't goku black you don't have to worry about it trunks and trunks kind of like oh my gosh and then um you know reese weiss and uh beerus are there and um trunks realizes that uh actually this is one of my favorite parts this is a very small portion um they're like, oh yeah, no, that's like that's like a god. He's a destroyer, and and Trunks is like, what the heck? What? No way! And then he like <laughs> bows before Whis, <laughs> and then Beerus is like super offended, like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, that's a lot to take in, just like very casually. Oh yeah, we know the god of just he can totally yeah. destroy the universe yeah. if he wants. Also, what? there is a god of destruction, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was pretty unreal because within those two episodes also contains uh, the first like fight between Goku and Goku Black, right? Mm -hmm. And that was unreal because I'm like they look the they look the same. But then you know it, it dawns on you that Goku Black isn't Goku. Mm -hmm. He has like, as far as I know, he's like possessed the body of goku and goku's no longer in there he's a, like just a shell that has been filled up by black you know um so i i thought that that first like fight was really interesting because it didn't go too far it was more of a, a taste like you could tell that he was a contender for goku mm -hmm. like goku was you know, at least within the the Super Saiyan form, and it's like, okay, well, you could tell it's like, oh, and they kept mentioning that Goku Black is he kept getting stronger throughout the fight, and that's exciting. I was like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Um, and then he gets like sucked back through like the the rip in time or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, whew, well, we dodged a bullet, you know, um, and. I don't know what to expect from here on out, but you know, I I said this last week. The prospect uh, of this arc is is very exciting, and I think these last two episodes that I watched uh, just reinforced that. Um, so I'm very excited to see where this goes. I don't want to. I'll, wanna I'll uh, kind of set the stage for you real quick, Logan. This is a very divisive arc amongst uh, fans of Dragon Ball. 
um, and I'm I'm excited to kind of see you form your opinion as we uh, we move along. And uh, additionally, I'm also watching the dub. Um, I feel like I guess that means I need to start. <laughs> some of the divisions that take place in the community, I think, are because of how maybe the subs translation didn't make things very clear. Um, so I'm looking forward to how the dub handles it and maybe changes the way I personally think. Um, and before we move on from Dragon Ball Super, uh, obviously this is a pretty important arc in the fact that Future Trunks is back, who is a landmark character mm. in the Android saga in the original Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Logan, how is it for you to, to have this character back? Um, what kind of thoughts and emotions are you going through? Oh, what's your history with Trunks in the first place? Um, did Do you, you like him, hate him? Want to um, babies with them? I've always thought I, I, you know, obviously your first introduction to Trunks is adult Trunks. You know, mm -hmm. he comes back. He goes back <laughs> in the past. Samurai uh, Jack. Before he goes back to the future, um, <laughs> and and it's just it's interesting to to see like all that take place. And you're like at first you're like oh here's this character and we don't know who he is and then it's revealed oh he is from the future and he is the son of um you know bulma and vegeta and uh, spoiler alert uh <laughs> well actually no josh josh borden is in the chat right now and he says trunk is my dad <laughs> so oh that's my a very God. important family yeah, i can't uh, wait for there. dragon ball ultra or whatever comes afterwards <laughs> mega <Megazine. laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i've always enjoyed the character of trunks and i think i've appreciated him a lot uh ever since um like actual trunks came into existence not adult trunks and then you had all those interactions with um you know goten and then the the beautiful fusion that is gotenks <laughs> and um it, yeah it's just I don't know. I've always liked him. He's never been like my favorite character, but I think uh, he is a welcome character. I've always appreciated his presence and how they they use him and gives you know, Goten needs a friend and Trunks is a great friend. It was interesting, especially for me and Paul, because uh, and technically we hadn't seen the character of Future Trunks since we first saw the Android Saga take place, and we were children when that aired on television. Um, so now we're adults, and Future Trunks comes back, and we're like, we missed you, buddy. Welcome home. Yeah, whereas, whereas for me, like, my entire Dragon Ball experience has happened in the last, like, three to four years. Yeah. It was very exciting when Trunks first came back, or the Future Trunks came back, because I actually really don't like Goten and Kid Trunks. And so it's like, oh, man the character I want to be there instead of these two children is back. Um, I think Gohan needed a friend and that was Trunks. <laughs> I, for me, uh, I, I think it was like the end of like the the super ultra water or whatever they called it that little filler mini arc that we had and like the the end of that episode they tease that the future trunks arc is starting i remember when i saw that in the sub for the first time and i saw future trunks appear on screen and he was running and i was like oh my god future trunks is back <laughs> why does he have blue hair why does he have blue hair <laughs> 
it's 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 hilarious like how much of a problem that is in the community right now that's like one of the biggest divisions is the fact that trunks has I blue think hair the funniest part about that <laughs> is that like him having purple hair makes a lot less sense than him having blue hair yeah yeah <laughs> and it's it's also funny because like i think especially when it comes to time travel i'm really not a stickler for consistency because that's just the nature of like time travel and different timelines like dude simple small changes can make a huge difference so to think that all of a sudden like this future version of trunks has blue hair like honestly it's not that unbelievable that just something simple like that changed for whatever reason or maybe as trunks grows in in this certain timeline you know his hair changes and that happens in real life you know my little brother was born a blonde and now he's like so uh, you know a lighter brown haired i i need some help remembering this does kid trunks in super have purple hair still it's yes. light purple hair um if for Holy those hell, of you I, I don't know what's going on who maybe don't remember um <laughs> Bulma's father, Dr. Briefs, has that same color hair as Kid Trunks. So maybe he, maybe that gene he got from uh, Dr. Briefs, and maybe in uh, the future timeline, uh, he takes more after his mother, which makes sense. Um, uh, which makes sense more kind of like thematically in that series because Trunks' mother, Bulma, is all he has in the future. Um, so to me, it makes more sense that he would take more after his mother, and I think it's kind of symbolic in that sense as well. Um, you also saw future future Bulma um, murdered. For Super, that's a that's a pretty big dark turn. I, I would imagine for you, because um, nothing like super drastic or dastardly has taken place until that moment. Right. We find well, and like in Dragon Ball Z as a whole, there's not this, the sense of consequence is significantly lowered because of the Dragon Balls. Um, but that's at one instance where Trunks can't do anything to bring her back. Because uh, there's no Piccolo or Kami in that future. Um, well, we can't really talk about the sub of Dragon Ball for Logan's sake. I will mention it's, it's still um, almost over. There is a huge, big mom-sized spoiler floating around the internet, um, even on like Nintendo news site sources. That I would highly advise that you be careful about. Um, good, good job just media in general it's spoiled paul and and i the episode that the thing (laughs) that we didn't want to know about hasn't even taken place yet in the sub um but it got spoiled for us with like four episodes of the anime left um so logan be careful (laughs) yeah i i mean thankfully i think I, i frequent the internet a little bit less or carefully these days so um I just have other things to do. But also, I, I don't think I'm that big of a stickler on spoilers. Like, I'm not going to actively try to spoil anything for anybody else. But I'm also yeah. not super upset when certain things are spoiled for me. Uh, there are exceptions. There are exceptions. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely try to avoid it. Okay. Um, well, on top of Dragon Ball Super, uh, a series that I had been watching since its inception, and one that Paul has recently taken, uh, taken to, is uh, Shokugeki no Soma. Um, in English, that's Food Wars. Um, this is a high school cooking anime. So it, this is a shonen. <laughs> so basically, they're fighting with food battles. They're, they're, they're cooking to be the best. Um, this series follows a 
teenager who works at a diner with his dad. Um, they're both really good cooks, really good chefs. And then his dad's like, I'm going to leave and you're going to school. And he's like, what? <laughs> so we end up at Totsuki Academy where uh, Yuki Hirasoma has gone to learn how to be a better chef. Um, he makes a quite an impression on his first day during the inauguration ceremony where he stands in front of uh, the entire student body of Totsuki Academy and says that he's going to beat every single one of them. Um, in typical shonen anime fashion, the main character is going to be the best at something. Um, he's not going to be the best ninja. He's not going to be the best pirate. He's going to be the best chef that he can be. And that is Shokugeki no Soma. Um, well, I feel like you need a little more context with this academy, too. It is a very cutthroat it school. Is. Yeah. I think uh, to graduate, you need to be in like the top 10%. Mm-hmm. So basically, everybody that goes there, ninety percent of them, they're not going to make it the cut. They're not going to. Nothing's <laughs> going to come of it, right? Um, and the, the series has this uh, really cool mechanic where if there's a disagreement between two people, they can come to a resolution um, by way of a shokugeki. And a shokugeki, a food war, um, is basically like an Iron Chef drag out chef battle where they um, fight to create the best dish and a panel of three du- uh, judges will decide who has created the best dish. Um, the person who wins the shokugeki gets their way. So you have to bet something for um, bet something that you're willing to sacrifice and then uh, obviously the thing that you want to gain from the battle. Um, so if you win the duel, and um, in many cases, the, uh, the loss of the duel result in you being expelled from the school because, of course, we have to make it super drastic. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And if you win, you get your way. If you lose, you're probably going to get expelled because that's usually what happens. Um, it's a really, really ridiculous idea. Um, you, really ridiculous execution. Yeah. It's, the show is, like, super <laughs> over the top. When a character, like, eats something and it's super delicious, um, they go into, like, these animations to kind of illustrate to you how the food tastes. And, uh, if and their it clothes t- explode. Yeah, their clothes explode. If it tastes really good, their clothes <laughs> explode. There's um, some questionable moaning that having. takes place in some cases. Um it's it, not the best show to watch with your family, especially in the first season. The first season takes those etchy themes kind of a little over the top, but it dials it down pretty quickly um, and just focuses on being a good show more than trying to bring in 13 year old boys um, into watching the show. <laughs> um, the show is currently concluded. It's what it's third season, I think third season. Yeah. Um, the second part of season three will actually come back in April. Um, Oh, man, I just realized how close we are. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. The Shokugeki no Soma has been canceled twice, just to let you know. But the sheer popularity of the anime has brought it back um, time after time. And I think we've finally gotten to the point where Shokugeki no Soma is a guarantee to come back every season. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> it deserves to come back every season. One of the things about this show is that the animation is always incredibly high quality. They make uh, the food, especially, they make the food look super delicious. Um, you often leave Shokugeki no Soma every week really hungry and wishing that you could take part in some of these <laughs> meals um, because it's kind of hard. You know, you're watching them eat these foods and you don't have any idea what they taste like they have to deliver all of that through you through illustration and uh through dialogue um but it does they do it very successfully yeah they do it really well like surprisingly well um given the context um paul and i have even committed to uh cosplaying as some of the characters uh i'll be cosplaying (laughs) as yukihiro soma the main character of shokugeki no soma but paul's cosplay is gonna be super amazing 
Oh, he's oh, he's bringing it over. Okay, so there's a character. He's already got it. He's already finished it. There's a character in Shokugeki no Soma named Ichiki Senpai, and th all he wears is what Paul is holding me, right so now. I don't know if I got it in the screen yet, but that's all like, the character no other, wears. No other clothes. He just wears the apron. Just the apron. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Paul, Paul, you said uh, you're getting a um, like a morph suit that's like skin colored, right? Yep. <laughs> oh man, so it I looks like wait. I'm just wearing the apron. <laughs> Um, you can just tell by this conversation that Shokugeki is a very, very crazy and silly. There's one character who is like the host of like this um, Don RS club. Um, there's different clubs for different <laughs> styles of food, and he's got like this pompadour hair, but it's like long and it's a rod. And whenever he gets excited, it pops up in the air and uh, becomes pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, oh, there's uh, some uh, there's some adult humor in this show, but uh, if you can take that, some. there's a lot some. of adult humor in this show. <laughs> um, I highly recommend that you give this a shot. It's just super fun. It's, re it's really hard for us to just describe this show because it's just it's unbelievably unique. Mm -hmm. Like I've I can honestly say I've never seen anything quite like this. The way they actually managed to take something like cooking and turn it into a very fierce battle is just so interesting. And I believe like the illustrator and writer of the manga has a chef's background, so I mean you're getting some legitimate facts about cooking and how, you know, various ingredients complement each other as you watch the show. So it can also be an educational experience at the same time. Oh yeah. And all the and dishes the characters that they... are just fantastic. Uh sorry. All the, the dishes in the anime are, are foods that you can actually make. So um, I guess if you really want to know what it tastes like, you can just whip it up yourself. Um, we have to at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, as Paul said, yeah, the characters are super enjoyable. Yukihiro Soma is such a snarky jerk. Um, he, uh, <laughs> the first... I might, actually, uh, I might actually give him like my favorite protagonist award. Yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to give so you that. Much. Or give it that, too. Uh, Yukihira doesn't always like put his care for his friends at the forefront, much like Goku. Um, his better he, his desire to better his own cooking skills comes first, and then saving his friends comes second. Um, but like the interactions he'll have with these characters is always so funny because like they'll go to like this chibi version of Yukihira with these like blank white eyes. So when people talk to him, he just doesn't take them seriously, and they go to that animated version of him. And it's always funny. Every single time, it makes me laugh. The person who voices Yukihira Soma in uh, the Japanese dub is incredible at uh, just, like, making blanket sta statements, um, feeling like uh, Yukihira doesn't really <laughs> care about anything that anyone else is going through except himself. <laughs> um, and there's some... Uh, Takumi Aldini. Takumi Aldini. Yeah, uh, I love it when Japanese Japanese characters shout each other's names. Specifically, that one is a standout. Um, there's a there's a uh, a character who sees himself as a um, antagonist to Yukihira. Um, his name is Takumi Aldini, and he's uh, he's Italian, um, and <laughs> he sees. <laughs> Yukihira as his rival and he always approaches Yukihira with those like those rival statements like I'm gonna beat you Yukihira you're just no way that you're gonna take over uh, my power or be better than me and Yukihira just always ignores him 
He's just like, he, he never reciprocates the conversation <laughs> by acknowledging the fact that Takumi Aldini is his rival. <laughs> it's a one-sided deal, and it's super hilarious. Um, <laughs> Logan, you've got... I, I know for a fact that you would love this show. You've got to give yeah, this a chance. I mean, hearing you guys talk about it makes it like sound like really exciting, and it and, and makes me excited to be like, well... <laughs> Maybe I should watch this. Like I'm, you know, last week uh, Paul mentioned Baca and Tess, and I was like, well, now that's in the forefront of my mind. Um, and then now, now, I mean, I've heard of Food Wars, and I've I've heard some positive things about it. Nothing too specific, but um, I might have to put this on my list. I might have to structure out how I watch things. I mean, um, I think most of the stuff i've watched this week in terms of like tv shows and anime i mean i haven't really watched any anime other than the dragon ball super is i've just been re-watching um other like adult cartoons because i'm a huge fan of all that cartoons so i've just been like going to bed to bob's burgers and stuff like that um but yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna have to write this down um and and maybe maybe watch some of it in the next 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 week here and maybe i'll maybe i'll mention food wars next week and mention my impressions and if you're wondering where to watch food wars you can watch shokugeki no soma japanese name on verve and crunchyroll please sponsor us please um Please. So yeah, Shokugeki no Soma is not a complete anime. It is ongoing. Um, it'll be back in April, and you'll be able to watch it weekly on Crunchyroll an hour after it broadcasts in Japan. Definitely check it out if you like shonen anime. Uh, it's empowering. It gives you the same kind of feelings that you get watching shows like Dragon Ball or Naruto. Um, it's just a really good time. Uh, really funny. Uh, puts you in a good mood. Highly recommended. Um, Paul, based on a recommendation you gave last week, I have officially begun my watch through of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I am right 13 on, episodes in. Um, finally got feel? past the part. I've gotten past the part in the story where I have already. I know what's happened already. So like, I'm I'm in new stuff. Mm. Uh, Michaela, on the other hand, this is all new to her. And uh, last week we watched a very infamous episode <laughs> of Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, you both already know what I'm talking about. No, I mean even even before you mentioned that you were going to watch the, uh, the that episode, or you guys did watch that episode. All I could think is you mentioned Full Metal Alchemist, and I go. Ed. Word. <laughs> and word. I, uh, Michaela, I think, was actually scarred by that episode. <laughs> I feel like your first time through it has to scar you. Um, it's intense. <laughs> the internet's done a really good job of lightening that up. They have to. <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it just crushes your soul. Spoiler alert if you don't want to know what we're talking about, I'm about to mention it, so uh, maybe don't listen for like another 30 seconds. In the particular episode we're talking about, there is um, a father who's an alchemist who creates chimeras. And chimeras are amalgamations of different creatures put together to make a new creature. Um, He has a daughter, and he has a dog. Uh, The daughter's name is Nina, the dog is Alexander, and uh, the main characters, Ed and Al, are visiting him in order to learn a little bit about his research. Um, Eventually, the father uses his own daughter and his own dog to create a new chimera so that he can retain a his... Dog-ter. A dogter. Yes, a dogter to retain his state <laughs> alchemy license. Um, and Ed and Al discover this and uh, 
Nina the dog looks at Ed and says, Ed, word. And uh, the basically, one thing I'm super thankful you all about die with that inside. episode is that it, it, hand, it breezes over it, so you don't have to feel the pain of it long. Uh, so yeah, at least the original anime is a little Mikhail darker. Didn't have to um, yeah, and basically, it hits you in all the wrong emotions and makes you feel awful about everything. Uh, <laughs> And then shortly after, well, I guess I'll leave that part You find out. memes. Yeah, you find memes. Uh, a favorite of mine is, <laughs> of, okay. is of Goten and Trunks uh, doing the fusion <laughs> dance with Nina and Alexander's faces photoshopped over them. Oh, my God. Super funny. <laughs> yeah, Michaela hasn't it's stopped like talking about this. a half laugh, half cry. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. This is horrible, but I have to laugh to die. Offset just how awful. <laughs> This is. I mean, Brian, you've been sending her nonstop memes, right? I have. Um, I won't talk I about the context one. in which I've done that um, for her own sake, but I've been sending her mm-hmm. memes over Messenger just periodically of Nina and Alexander, and uh, every time she just replies with stop. <laughs> it was, it's pretty fantastic, her reactions to it, because I got a chance to send her two. She thought she was going to have nightmares that night. We finished watching that episode right before we went to bed, and she's like, I have to watch something happy. (laughs) And I said, no, I got to go to bed and get up for work in the morning. So I made her go to sleep. (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. So, yeah, I've been having fun with that. I'll probably try and finish up the series here in a couple weeks. I haven't been able to move forward on Game of Thrones um, yet this last week just because of how busy I've been. Um, but I'll try to catch up on that. It's easier to digest a a half-hour show than it is like an hour show. Um, oh yeah, and usually that kind of I've, I even watched Rugrats yesterday. I watched Rugrats. I'm like, I need to like slow things down. Something I don't have to dedicate my entire attention to. Um, we all need those like background programs every now and again. Yeah. Um, so definitely have been enjoying that. Uh, has there any been any other anime we've taken to watching this week? I've well, not anything new. I am still through Bakken Test. I finally made it through season one. Um, I forgot that there was a couple of. Um, OVAs afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I still like. I still have really great things to say about that. It's such a fun show with um, a lot of adult humor and a lot of like unexpected character traits. Might be a fair way to describe it. There's just a lot of really great wacky characters just all over the place, <laughs> and so it's a really fun ride. If you if you want to start that at any point, please do. Also available on Verve, and I think Crunchyroll. Definitely Funimation, at least. Man, I'm gonna have to subscribe to Verve here. I did the free trial, like you know, not too long ago. But I think, I don't know, it might be worth it to to drop. I watched too the... much anime during that free trial, and so I just couldn't stop. Right, right. <laughs> That's why they do the free trial. I've been paying um... for it ever since. <laughs> Okay, so uh, moving into games, um, we've all been playing Monster Hunter still. <laughs> That's not going to go away for uh, several weeks. Probably months, not. Yeah. Years. I mean, I've had my goals for this week for Monster Hunter, and I actually was able to to achieve uh, certain things. And um, you know, obviously, I, I think um, I think some people are getting a little bit tired, so they're not playing it as frequently. But they'll still get on it, get on every once in a while and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I one of my my main goal for this week was to um, to unlock the rainbow armor pigment. Ooh. And um, 
and I did it. Congratulations! I did it. You're yeah, no, and it was it was fun because I knew I, I kind of scoured the internet it's like how do how do I do this or and and I finally realized it's like well I had to go you have to finish all these optional quests uh, and then you have to finish the urgent quest at Hunter Rank Forty Nine which is the Tempered Kieran uh, and then then the uh, the commander I think wants to talk to you and then he gives you that quest that unlocks the Rainbow Armor Pigment. Um, so, but I was missing a few of the optional quests from the six star and seven star optional, uh, sections. And I, you know, our friend Adam, Adam was like, uh, you might want to check the research base. And that's when it hit <laughs> me. I was like, oh, and then I went into that's the research the base and then like within an hour, I had like unlocked both of the, uh, all the quests, uh, optional quests that I needed to complete. Um, and then it was just a matter of, well, I got to beat the Kirin quest. I got to beat the tempered Kirin quest. And and I tried it once. Um, I had, I in preparation for it, I went and I built a armor set. Um, I built the, what do, what do you call it, armor set? The Toby, Toby Gadachi armor set, because I knew it was going to give me thunder resistance. Um, and that was, that was a must. Um, but then once I failed, I was like, okay, what else can I do? Well, I went back and I hunted like just like a regular non-tempered, like high rank Kieran a few times. Um, and I got all the pieces that I needed to build the high rank Kieran set, uh, which I did. And then I upgraded it as much as I could. And then one of the other things I added was it gave, it gave me, um, I built the beta set, which gave me like level two stun resistance. Oh yeah, you definitely uh, which, need that. Yeah, and then I went ahead and I built a, a charm, which gave me level three stun resistance, uh, which helped immensely, uh, helped absolutely immensely. That way, you know, there was much uh, less moments where I was in a position where I was really vulnerable. Um, and then it, also in preparation, I made like, enough uh mega demon drugs and mega armor skins and i brought a bunch of might pills and adamant pills and i even used um like armor powders and demon powders and i was just i was buffing myself constantly with my kieran armor i had stun resistance i had i um, think i was using the uragan weapon which you know has a fire element to it and so i just like prepared out the ass did you did <laughs> you manage to beat it i did i managed to beat it and i was like yes it felt good i didn't even faint once uh which was the most impressive again? part there was I'm, I'm totally down for that again because now i'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm, now i'm like a top of the world i'm like i can I'm 48 hunt so i'm just this close from it right um yeah no i i hunted the heck out of that thing i was i felt very very i was i took every precaution every time i got hit I like maybe I'd lose like a fourth of my health, but I was like, I don't care. I'm popping a, a mega potion. You know, I'm always going to be at full health. Uh, I just overly prepared and then I finished it and then I unlocked. Uh, what is the quest for the rainbow arm? What is that called? Uh, I don't remember its name. It probably has something like really cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's something like really <laughs> something semi interesting, but it's four monsters <laughs> um in the special arena um mm -hmm. 
uh well, who was it it was so was it Legiana, Legiana, uh oh and diablos diablos and so they stagger them right you you go in and, and legiana's right there odagaron comes in a few minutes afterwards and then diablos and then rathalos um and actually i i started the hunt oh, you only uh, get with, 25 minutes as well you know, yeah we only get 25 minutes uh and i actually was able to finish it in like uh just under 18 minutes yeah that's um, around where i was too Right. And so I actually went into that quest with Levi. Me and Levi were going to tackle it. And then I was like, I'm not taking any chances with this. And I popped an SOS. Uh, and two other people joined on that quest. Thank you, strangers. Um, right. <laughs> and so we were we didn't get Legiana down before Odagaron showed up. But then we were able to get Legiana down and Odagaron down. And then we had to wait like a full minute <laughs> before Diablo showed up. Oh, like, you can speed that up. If you, oh, you can? if you carve their bodies, they disappear, and then they will immediately spawn the next monster. Okay. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah, so, I mean, we we all were carving Odagaron, and then a, a bit later, you know, uh, Diablos showed up. And then Rathalos showed up, and we had to deal with Diablos and Rathalos at the same time. And, mm. and that's just a mess. Um, Did you manage thankfully... to pull off the Dragonator a couple times? We got the Dragonator once, and we that was on Legiana and Adagaron, and we got them both in yeah, the, uh, nice. the thing, and it, it was just it was a good feeling. I did the, um, I did that with uh, Legiana and Adagaron, and I did it again with uh, Rathalos and Diablos. Did you did you solo that quest? I did. <laughs> you man, you. Mm. It was uh, it was an experience. Uh, then again, you know, I still I still have my Palico, so not all the attentions like drawn towards me right um, right but i definitely had a surplus of flash bombs available um just so that i could kind of divvy up the fight a little bit um yeah did you like bring a bunch of flash bugs with you yeah um because oh, you, you can't use a far caster to get back to the base they won't let you leave once you're in there oh, you're wow. there there is no escape <laughs> except fainting yeah with that attitude i did faint once i think in that hunt okay um, but potions for days. That's that particular quest is a lot like the final quest that you'll find in previous Monster Hunters. Um, but this is the midway point. This is the halfway there quest. This isn't even the big boy Mac Daddy final boy quest. Um, I need to step my game up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, but but most importantly, it unlocked the rainbow armor pigment. Yeah. So that's immediately what I did afterwards is I went back to my room and I was like, okay, apply the rainbow armor pigment. And now, like, for the last, like, four or five hours of the game, I've just been wearing my uh, Valhazak uh, armor set with the rainbow armor pigment. Um, and if you, if you play Monster Hunter and you want to add me, uh, I will probably include... I'll just put my PSN... Um, name in the description or something like that um I mean, so you can that also, way uh, you can get my guild card and then you can just look at how beautiful i am uh, in monster hunter Anytime we're, we're not only doing that to get the 50 guild card uh trophy that's not why <laughs> it doesn't hurt <laughs> um just to quickly mention we do have a discord server open for everybody if you want to join us there um you can get that from our website breakroomarcade.com we'll probably have that um the share link for you to join somewhere eventually <laughs> there's now, a join server button on the site right yeah there if is, you go yeah. down to the bottom there will be a little discord um 
which, widget with a join server button. So if you want to chat with us um, here um, at the Breakdown Podcast, you want to give us suggestions, or you just want to hang out, um, that's the way to do it. Uh, I always have it open on my phone, so if you message us, um, I'll try and be in there when I can. Uh, and yeah, uh, hopefully we can build up a nice fan base of people that are in there and uh, can hang we out can with us. We can all together. Yeah. Mm, Maybe we'll even I have do. a Mario Kart 8 tournament. Oh boy. It's been I, a while I, since I, I do decent at that. Did by decent, I mean terrible. <laughs> um, so quickly, some other games I've been playing. I've been playing Oxenfree on Nintendo Switch, which I've had for like a long time. And I just haven't opened yet. Yeah, that's funny because uh, you bought that when I said it was on sale, right? Yeah, it we like bought it at bucks. the same time. Right. Yeah, I started. I I was really liking that game. I haven't gotten back to it because other things came along and I, and um. I think like I'm an hour, hour and a half in. Uh, it is definitely like a narrative game. Um, it quick is, question: What is Oxen Free? It is a point-and-click <laughs> adventure game, um, okay. which is fully voice acted. Uh, the conversations between characters, you can respond with um, two to three different uh, response options. I don't know how much that affects the game thus far. Um, but basically, you go on a vacation on this island with some friends, and you, you're, you know, you're going to drink and you know, do all those adulty things that college kids think they do. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, some things go wrong, and you have to save your friends. I won't say any more than that, but... Um, I, it's, was this a mobile game? I it feels like this would have been a mobile game to me. I have no clue. I have no clue. Um, but it's. I'll hit Google I, right quick. It's it's got really good atmosphere. Yeah. The voice acting is also really solid. It's very superb, and the way that like dialogue chains together is very. It feels very intelligent to me. Um, I I can't tell for sure if this is happening, but sometimes like I'll accidentally interrupt a piece of dialogue by looking at something. But after I look at that thing and they talk about the thing I looked at, they'll go back to what they were talking about before. And that's something that okay, The guys. Last of Us does. She was on Android and iOS. Okay, that that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's a point-click adventure game. Uh, pretty adult-heavy themes. Like Logan said, voice acting's pretty good. I uh, don't really know how long it is, but I anticipate that I'll have a good time with it because reviews have been pretty strong. Um, let's see. Other than that, i got to go to my list here. Uh, my wife has been playing Kingdom Hearts, and I keep telling her how bad I think that first game is. Sorry, Kingdom <laughs> Hearts fans. I, We're I don't, not saying we hate Kingdom Hearts. I, don't I agree it. with Brayden, actually. Like, I, I forced myself to finish that game because I wanted to play two. And it's the only good. reason I would go back to play it is so that I could go back to playing two and kind of follow the story. It, it, it's just like a lot of the design decisions in Kingdom Hearts are now dated and very archaic. Um, so games that we've played today have probably spoiled, at least for me, it probably spoiled the way I, I perceive it. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem visually with it. It was just like... No, I mean mechanically. Oh. Uh, I was going to say, like, the controls, I felt, back then were very clunky. Now with the, like, re-release, I think they actually, like, fixed my camera complaints. Um, yeah, it's on the stick now. But that, like, it's still, um, the story was kind of um, cardboard to a degree. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like they really made it, expanded it, made it very dynamic in 2. So, Kingdom Hearts is the game I play so I can play 2 again. 
<laughs> Basically, I'm waiting for Michaela to finish Kingdom Hearts so that I can kind of participate in Chain of Memories and beyond. <laughs> I just want to get that first one out of the way because I. S- how is how is she currently playing it? She's playing the PS3 uh, 1.5 HD remix. Okay. Okay. Um, and that has uh, Rechain of Memories and a movie cutscene a version of 358 over 2. Um, basically, I promised her that if she gets through 1.5, all of 1.5 and all of 2.5, that I'll buy 2.8 for her. And then once she beats 2.8, I'll buy Kingdom Hearts 3 so she can play that. Um, I kind of take command over the PS4 because it's at my station. Like, my gaming station in the basement, so I want to make sure that I get some games that um, she's more apt to play than myself. I'm trying to spread the love a little bit. You sweetheart. Oh, I'm trying. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as far as gaming goes, that's really all I've done. We did have plans last night to play Naruto, Taborto, Shinobi Striker, the open beta, um, but the open the beta, beta is, is actively you know? on fire right now, so n- not really anybody's been able to play it. So that didn't come to fruition. Gamma betas. <laughs> um, the same thing happened to Dragon Ball Fighters beta, and both of those games are developed by Bandai Namco. So, actually, fun fact about the Fighters be- er, beta: I never actually played a versus match. Did you only do the, the entire training? time that was? Yeah, I just did the training. <laughs> I did a couple versus <laughs> matches. Because um, I knew like the the collection of gamers that were probably playing it weren't necessarily fighting game fans, mm-hmm. um, and that turned out to be true in the end. Um, going back to Naruto real quick, if we can, we're gonna keep our eyes on it, and if we can see that it's actually working, hopefully we can bring you a little taste of that. Yeah, um, and we'll we'll be streaming that. Um, I'm really interested in this game because it's not just a. F- a fighting game it's in a it's a 4v4 online objective based competitive multiplayer game um which does have fighting in it um but basically it's a little bit like xenoverse and the uh in uh, the way that you can customize your own character you can make your own ninja um say mm. what village that ninja was born in and uh customize it from there um the customization options in the beta itself are pretty limited right now uh they don't give you a lot of options um monster was the same way yeah so obviously that uh that'll be more diverse when the game actually comes out i still don't think it has a release date yet but essentially the mode that's available in the game right now is available on two different maps one based on the the hidden village in the leaves or and one based on the uh the sand village and uh it's 4v4 capture the flag and I think you have to capture your opponent's flag three times in order to claim victory. And uh, basically, you have a health bar. You have a so- selection of attacks um, that have a cooldown cool down period. So like uh, Rasengan, you can have Rasengan and uh, use that, and it has a cooldown period before you can use it again. Um, this game is very mobile. You jump around a lot. You uh, can run on walls, which is really cool. Any wall in the game you can run on, which I think is really awesome. So not only do you That's have battles hard, that take place um, horizontally, but you can have very vertical battles as well. Um, and as Paul said, that is very rooted in uh, in Naruto, so that's pretty cool. Um, Climb the tree. Use your Catra. Your Catra and your feats. Um, it pr- protects you. After, like, 15 years of Naruto fighting games, it's nice to have a game that's not trying to be a fighting game. Um, this is a game that is actually taking notes from how things work in the anime. 
You, you know, they're not fighting to fight. They're fighting because they're trying to complete some kind of objective. So now they're bringing the objective to the forefront, which is really cool. Um, so we'll give you our opinions on that as soon really as we're able to actually title. play it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luigi's Balloon World just came out on Super Mario Odyssey. I've not gotten a chance to touch that yet. Did either of you get a chance to play that? No. no. <laughs> I've heard reception has been pretty positive so far. Yeah, it, you know, I was I was listening to to some podcasts and they were talking about it and and it, you know, it sounds like they they really took their time to to really make it, you know, an extra special like experience. It's a smaller experience, of course. Um, but I think that's cool, and I think it's also telling of, of you know, what we're still going to get from Super Mario Odyssey. We're not mm -hmm. done with Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Um, I sent I you do a video, Logan, a couple days ago, I think, of Josh Thomas over at Nintendo Beyond giving his reasons that Super Mario Sunshine DLC will be coming. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not... I makes sense. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, but regardless of what this DLC will contain, I think it's all but guaranteed that we are going to get um, some paid paid DLC. And the de developers um, have already expressed that they are open to the idea of DLC. And that could mean that they've already started developing DLC. No, I, I, really I need to go back to this title. The fact, the fact that they have developed um, this small thing. So here's a little extra like game that we're gonna throw in here um, that'll give you some extra things to do. And here's some extra costumes. Um, you know, I I think we're gonna get some more substantial DLC. Uh, down the line i do anticipate that i'd be paid but i also wouldn't think um i wouldn't put it past nintendo just to release some larger updates for free as well for sure um because like this is hands down like the best selling game on the switch mm -hmm. you know any way they can find to to um you know uh give this game even more longevity uh the better you know the better it's gonna do it would be silly uh, for them to not take advantage of that fact right i mean if from from a monetary standpoint adding more content so people more people buy the base game or people who already have the game paying you know 20 30 bucks for for paid dlc like it's kind of a win-win-win for everybody we get more content that at this point we don't mind paying for because we've got our 60 bucks worth um also they didn't announce it beforehand that had you know that's a trend in the gaming industry that i think it's a really bad trend as people tend to um announce that hey we got dlc in the works even before the game comes out and it's like uh, even if you have the potential for dlc uh generally when it's talked about before the game even comes out people are like well could this have been in the game from the start and so are we just you're cutting content um so we can just you know pay for it later uh it isn't always the case it is all pretty much always the case with something like ea um you know it's like oh let's give them an incomplete game and then make them pay for the pay for the rest of the full game um but i nintendo that hasn't that hasn't really happened uh with them yet in most of their dlc um, offerings it's always been fair you can tell that you've gotten a complete game first 
Um, Breath of the Wild did get some flack for announcing its DLC before the game came out. Um, but that game was done. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, the fact that I was able to get, like, 150 hours or something like that out of the game, and, you know, yeah, that game had a long development cycle, and, and you can tell. There was a lot of content, and you could play that game forever. Collectively, the DLC for that game, I think, gave me, like, an additional 30 hours of gameplay. Hmm, not bad. Uh, Paul, I think you were going to say something. I was just going to ask, uh, offhand, do you guys know your playtime for Mario Odyssey? Super Mario Odyssey? 40 yeah. hours flat, I think. Uh, okay, then I don't feel quite as bad. Yeah, I want to say mine's around 40 hours. It might be upwards of 50. And my 40 um, hours is with every moon collected. Mine is not. I do not have every moon. <laughs> A quick confession. I've, I was checking last night, and my playtime's like 15 hours. And I was like, man, that feels really, really small. Why haven't I played more of this? Well, I mean, you've you've finished the main story, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I think I have that, like, I mean, 200 of the moons? Stars? 200 of the moons? Yeah, see, that's the thing about the game is you can finish it easy, 10 to 15 hours. Yeah. Uh, but I think it took me about 30 hours to finish it because I did a lot of the collecting. You know, it's really I, hard to, like buckle down and like go to the actual objective because there's just so much to explore so much to find the thing with odyssey is while that's true the game is the game really like encourages you just to get the story out of the way it's like hey get this done because the game doesn't start until you're done <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of po lot of post-game content. Well, the majority of the um, moons, like in each uh, kingdom itself, don't even open up until you've beaten the game. Right. So um, it, it actively encourages you to finish the story first. Um, yeah, but that that being said, like it also doesn't try to necessarily rush you. No. You know, it's just the game is very much like take it at your own pace. Um, and and I. I, you know i needed that experience i and i think you know back to back like i just i remember like oh, i'm playing lots of breath of the wild and then like breath of the wild finished up and then oh you know not too much later here was super mario odyssey and then um that game came around and that game made both games made me cry <laughs> yeah i think i got misty eyed in a couple places in odyssey um it's really, a good game. Really good first year for Nintendo. Um, are there any other games we have to talk about before we move on? Yes. Okay. Give us the lowdown, so, Paul. First off, I did not put as near as much Monster Hunter hours in this week as I wanted to. Um, that is because, well, one, we've been really busy doing stuff for this podcast, but also I sat down to finish Celeste Story Mode. And I've talked about about this last week, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But you guys need to play this title. <laughs> Please play it. Do it for yourselves, man. <laughs> you're uh, you're was making a so review beautiful. for this, right? Yep. I recorded it this morning. I got oh. probably a lot of editing to do because I rambled a lot. <laughs> and so I got I to gotta bring it all together on the editing board. But hopefully sometime in the next week or so I can have that available for all of you beautiful people to watch very nice and hopefully mm. convince you to pick it up and play it um the other major thing that i started working on this week was bayonetta and i don't know what's going on <laughs> what is going on 
That's Bayonetta. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's it, I enjoy it so far. It's just I cannot predict where this story is going. I'm I think I'm like three chapters in, or I think I'm, yeah, I'm at the beginning of the fourth chapter, and I just don't know what's going on, and I enjoy it. Bayonetta, just so you know, Paul, will explain itself before you're done. You okay. will understand what's going on by the time you're done. I figured it would. It's just like starting off. It it really just kind of throws you into the middle mm-hmm. of it. Yep. And pretty which much is a fun place to be. <laughs> One of the things about Bayonetta I absolutely adore, and I I hope you agree with me on this, Paul. Um, the battle music is incredible. Uh. <laughs> I actually haven't really paid too much attention to that, but I mean it. It's like Japanese pop. I didn't pop. notice it, so I don't... I can't... It's not like I'm saying it's terrible. It just didn't stand out to <laughs> Pay me. Pay attention to it next time you play it, because it's just a... It's a vocal piece, and it's it's pretty okay. good. Um, we'll in do. Super Smash Brothers, they had to remove the vocals from the game, uh, from the music oh. for the game, and I was very disappointed by that. Um, they do the same thing in Bayonetta 2 with a new song, and I hope that happens again in Bayonetta 3. <laughs> I love it. My weeaboo stuff. I'm really looking forward to getting through this and starting the second one. I feel, um, to a slight degree, it I can feel its age when playing it. Yeah, I mean, it's an old game by now. I mean, despite that, it's still really fabulous. And I look forward to seeing how your, um, uh, your opinions of Bayonetta 2 once you get to that point. Because um, you can definitely see the them. improvements in uh, all areas of that game. Um, any other games to mention before we move on? That's it for me. Yeah, I haven't. It's just been Monster Hunter for me. So I'm in the process of working on a project. Um, it's actually initiating today. I've gotten a couple phone calls since our podcast has begun. I'm guessing about the project I'll be working on. I'm building a board game table. Um, this is going to be an all-purpose table overall. Um, we'll be able to convert it into a dining room table at whatever point. Um, but I got the game Gloomhaven, which is a 22-pound box of <laughs> all kinds of stuff that you need to play this game. And I'm like, hmm, I don't think the table I have is really going to cut this, uh, cut it for this. So I went online and I started searching for game board tape, uh, board game tables to um, kind of fill that need. And the ones that I really thought would, like, you know, fulfill my desires were, like, $800 and up. Oh, boy. No, sir. (laughs) So I started searching DIY table designs, and I found a very good thread on BoardGameGeek, which has a vaulted board game table design that I absolutely fell in love with. So I've decided that I'm going to build this. Uh, We're buying the lumber for it today. Um, We're building a 5x5 uh, table that's going to have a railing on the outside, like a five and a half inch railing. The railing is going to have cup holders and dice trays built in, um, and uh, so there's a vault. So after the railing, it dips down about three and a half to four inches, so that when you roll dice, they don't fall out of the table. Um, it's easier to reach things because you can de- uh, uh, reach down into the table rather than over it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, It's also going to have outlets and electricity built in. There will be an outlet on each side of the table with USB ports so people can charge their phones. It will also allow people to keep their phones alive for games that um, might require more data management. 
Um, Gloomhaven, actually, you know, you have character sheets. It's a lot like D&D in that way. Um, but there are also apps out there that can fulfill that need, so people can uh, plug their phone and use their app if they prefer to do that instead. Huh. So we'll build a cover. The cover is going to go over the vault on the table, so it can be used as a dining room table. Um, and that's basically it. So I'll be building this table out of wood, staining it, and hopefully completing the entire project before Monday. <laughs> I look forward to playing on it. <laughs> Me too. I've had Gloomhaven for like two weeks, and I haven't really done anything with it. That heavy box just sitting there calling to you. I know. Mm. I want to play it. So <laughs> I'm actually going to do a video series for this. I will document the creation of the table and maybe release it in two or three parts. Um, you'll see us building it. You'll hear me talking about it. You'll get a good look at the final design, as well as a demo of a game being played on it. So I uh, look forward to that. I am very excited to bring that to you guys. Um, along with that video, I'll give you guys a link to the original, um, the original forum post thread that I got all this information from. So if you are feeling inspired, maybe you can build your own. Um, so that's what I'll be doing uh, here in the next couple days. Hopefully we finish it before the end of the weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I've never built anything before. My wife is... I hope it gives you a sense of accomplishment. My wife, for those who don't know, does a lot of theater, tech theater. She has a lot of experience building and uh, carpentry. Um, so actually, my wife will be taking the headline uh, role on this project. Hi there in the comments. Um, so, we're, we're defeating gender roles. I'm the guy who doesn't know how to use a power tool. <laughs> nice! So, we'll be working on that. Um... And I think we're ready to move into our main topic. Uh, topic, topic. Talk. Yeah, that sounds right to me. <laughs> so last week we told you we were going to talk about Nintendo in 2018. Um, we're right at the end of February, and there's a lot we don't know. So um, to get things started, I'm going to pull up our little doc, Google Doc. Um, so 2017 was a big year for Nintendo. How exactly are they going to top that? Um, things that we know are Can happening. They? Uh, we know that Kirby's coming, coming next month. We have a Yoshi game coming. Fire Emblem will be releasing this year. Um, there's a Metroid Prime 4 coming, a Pokemon Core title coming. Those are not necessarily games that'll be in 2018. We don't know yet. Um, they're releasing their online service in September of 2018. Um, that's about all we know as far as the rest of the year is concerned. So... E3 is just a few months away. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, we'll start with Logan on this one. What does E3 need to deliver to you for 2018 to be a successful year for Nintendo? Um, you know, this is, this is quite a tough one because currently what we know is coming. At, my main concern is, is how are they going to fill out the rest of this year? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, we have we have a good amount of ports that we know are coming in the next few months, uh, which is which is fine. Like we just honestly, it, it hasn't been that long since we got like Super Mario Odyssey. Um, yeah. And. Has has Kirby come out yet? <laughs> Kirby comes out in the middle of next month. Okay, okay, because I know that'll be like the the one game I know is like 
upcoming. We also got Xenoblade Chronicles 2 um, in, like, December. And we got Bayonetta uh, 1 and 2 this month. Right, but Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is an original title, whereas Bayonetta 1 and 2 is, is a technically port. a port. Well, it is a port of a game that probably not a lot of people have gotten a chance to play because it was released on the Wii U. So I, I think that does make it the value proposition, you know, a little bit more enticing. Um, and then we have uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, Tropical Freeze, which actually I'm much more excited for that than I am for uh, Bayonetta uh, because I'm a huge platformer. And, 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 and for the first and. time in my life, I this past week beat donkey kong country the original for the first time i i had gotten to like the last the last boss like a few weeks ago and then i just kind of put it down because like i beat like the beginning section and then it pulled like oh here's the credits and then it's like wait no the battle's not over and then i died and then i just got super upset and i just put it off for a few weeks (laughs) i was shocked you didn't know about that yeah and well, I know about it now, um, but then I finally got around to being like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna friggin' beat this thing, and it took me a few tries, but I finally beat King K. Rule, and like that was like, I did it. I finished the game. It was a struggle for a bit, but I did it, and I feel accomplished. Um, but I'm excited for Tropical Freeze, uh, and I'll probably pick that up uh, once it releases. But how are they gonna fill out the next, the rest of the year? You know, or is there? Uh, I I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to have one or two larger releases, uh, things that are like, like Kirby is like, oh cool, another Kirby game. <laughs> we needed you know? one. We needed one more of those. <laughs> we haven't gotten near enough Kirby titles in the past in recent years. To Kirby's there's, credit, there's... this will be his first home console title since uh, Return to Dreamland. Right, right. And I, I think I might pick up Kirby at some point. Um, but, like, what what for everybody else? You know, we have Bayonetta, and a lot, some people will make the dip into that. But what's their, like, what's their killer title for this year? I don't think, I do not think that we will go through the rest of 2018 without seeing one major title that everybody's going to be talking about. I think there's going to be one. Um... I'm tempted to say that it's either um, like a deluxe port of Super Smash Bros. for Wii U and 3DS. But I think the longer that it goes, the more likely it is that we get like a Splatoon 2 type of deal. Um, And I think with something like Smash Bros., I think that's okay because there's already so much content in those games, and and I think they I think we'll get Super Smash Bros. and it'll be a different game. It'll be the next game, Super Smash Five, and and I think it'll include most of the characters of uh, what we had in the last game, Uh, and I think they might throw in some extra characters, some first party. I'm I'm hoping to see like the Inklings. I think that's just something that needs to happen at this point, and then maybe another third party character or two, Um, and then we'll see that released. And I think that might be the big game for this year. I think uh, we well other than. We know we're getting Fire Emblem. Unless that mm-hmm. gets pushed back to 2019, I, I think we'll see. Uh, we oh, will definitely we will definitely see uh, Fire Emblem 
this year. Uh, that's and a fall I think, title. I'm fairly certain that's a fall game. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a fall title. I think we'll see it at E3. Uh, whether we see it like actual footage before then, uh, I think I think that might be pretty likely. I think I, I, a, I wouldn't put it past. There's Nintendo. a good chance we're gonna have another Nintendo Direct before we get to E3. Oh I really yeah, we do. Um, I would like to. You know, I think a lot of people were anticipating it in February um, because of uh, past uh, patterns of Nintendo Direct Minis and stuff like that. But uh, obviously, it's Nintendo, and they're not just going to follow a pattern just because it's they a do pattern. what they want. They do what they want. Um, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I'd say maybe, maybe in the next month and a half, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw um, an an actual full nintendo direct and the premiere game that we see there uh would be fire emblem um but i would like to see super smash for this year uh regarding e3 and future content though um i think a lot of people are anticipating that we'll see uh metroid i don't think we'll see metroid this year no i I think i I think nintendo will go dark on metroid uh until 20 at least 2019 to follow think... up your thoughts on Smash Bros, we did have a recent rumor by Emily Rogers, um, who, from what I can tell, hasn't said a lot like since the Switch launched. Um, so the fact that Emily Rogers has come out even said anything, I think, is significant in the first place, because mm-hmm. um, she has a very, very strong background in terms of things that she's gotten right. Uh, she says that Smash Bros is coming... Um, before the end of the year will be announced. I think she said it was annou- would be announced at E3. I could be wrong on that. But um, she said it'll come out before the end of the year. It'll feature Wii U and 3DS content um, with some tweaks and additional content on top of that. So I feel like that kind of fits the uh, the description you were kind of given there, Logan. Um, yeah, and I think I think I you know I definitely seen that rumor. So um, I think I agree with that that sounds about right not that i have insider knowledge uh but it's something that i'd expect from nintendo um i think from the next smash bros game i you know in addition to like okay if they just took everything uh from the 3ds versions and the uh the wii u versions of that game and then tweaked it a little bit improved upon it in whatever logical ways they can and then maybe add like two or three new modes uh one of those modes is i would really love um an actual like really compelling story like if there was something that they could spend their time doing give us like a really a fun you know like a subspace emissary kind of thing yeah um but maybe something a little bit more thought out, you know, and and maybe something that'll tease uh, future releases. Maybe they have an F-Zero game in the works, you know, and so maybe they're like, oh, well, there's going to be this whole subplot about, you know, Captain Falcon and stuff like that. I, I think that might be really neat. Um, I'd love to see how some of their older franchises that they haven't touched in a while will um, will evolve 
you know, and become something new and something more ambitious. That's something I anticipated uh, going into like something like Star Fox Zero, and it didn't do a whole lot extra. Just like here's a bunch of old ideas that we did in these old games that never got released, and then we're just gonna make a new game out of it. And it's like, are you even trying, Nintendo? Uh, and obviously, <laughs> uh, they are trying because we got Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. To be uh, fair, which, that was Wii U, so obviously. It had to turn out the way it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I think they have a lot of motivation and they have the freedom to take chances now because of how successful the Switch has been. So I hope that really actually makes a difference in, in what they do with some of these franchises. And and I also am hoping... Um, I think we might... I, I would like to see one new IP like every year whether it be something small uh and then maybe some larger ones obviously a larger one we got in recent years was splatoon mm, yeah um so i think if there was any time to release like a new big ip it might be this year you know uh hot off the the heels of the fantastic 2017 that nintendo had um, and it might be a good time to be like, okay, here's a bunch of ports and, and here's a few safe calls that everybody wants. Um, and then here is like, I, here's another new game. I'm not sure if it'll be like, you know, more narrative driven game or, um, you know, an online experience or something like that. We're, you know, they're going to be on launching the online in the fall. And so maybe there's an extra game that they're going to be launching alongside of that maybe an another you know really online focused game and i think paul made the call on that one uh i definitely think that's going to be pokemon uh but that's just me um i do think i mean they said pokemon's coming 2018 right it when when they announced pokemon in 2017's e3 uh presentation they said pokemon will be coming in a year or later was it were, were the exact words that they used okay um and well that would qualify 2018 as a possibility um pokemon games are always uh, have usually been pretty online driven uh they've definitely been expanding upon those features in the last few games uh specifically on the 3ds uh nintendo switch obviously is a much more powerful hardware and i think the possibilities are um a lot more expansive than what we've had before so i'm very interested to see what they're going to do with that title yeah with the newer capabilities of the switch versus the 3ds's that it's been on for years well even with the online i feel like the fact that they're launching online in september is very telling that pokemon might be the reason that it got delayed that or smash brothers they might be delaying it to prepare a game to launch alongside it right um yeah i think i think that's a i think that's a real possibility i oh man i'm wow you got me re-excited for pokemon switch um because like i'm i'm kind of a passive pokemon fan like i find it hard to to sit down and actually finish some of those games um like i still haven't finished pokemon y i still haven't finished pokemon sun i haven't finished sun Um, either and i think partially because it's on the 3ds like as i've gotten older like 
the whole handheld thing's a little less appealing and i like being able to sit down and play my games on a tv i like when i can be really engrossed in something that's really graphically like intense um and really pretty and clear um and so you know with the switch that's definitely a possibility i'm super excited to see how uh, visually this affects like the visual design of pokemon you know mm, yeah because it started out and it was like oh look at here's like these eight bit f- and figures this could eliminate know? the need that people have for like a pokemon stadium like title because the only reason they wanted that is so that they could play pokemon on their tv with pretty graphics oh yeah yeah no we'll we'll get we'll get some fights within a stadium in this game you know that that'll be a thing i i I guarantee i guarantee there'll be like oh here's a huge ass stadium and they're gonna they're gonna fight in it and they're gonna you know do all this other stuff now that we Um, have pokemon coming on switch it'll just completely eliminate the need for like a secondary title that does that because it'll all be there already yeah so i'm i'm yeah i'm really fascinated because they've always played to the hardware pretty well you know they always do very something very cartoony uh because it's always been on very limited hardware um but i wonder how much it will change uh just based on the fact that we're you know a minimum 720p you know the the things i expect to change like i think the battle system is probably just going to be the battle system that's probably not going anywhere but just like the way that we interact with the world the way we traverse the world the way we perceive the world i think is all going to be brand new uh i think we might even like stop using that overhead view we might come down to level like with our characters a bit more right no that's actually something that i was considering it's like you know we've done this overhead view which which works um but now that we have so much more freedom uh and in, in what they're developing with um how is that going to evolve and i honestly have no clue especially coming from you know the pokemon company and from nintendo it's like they could could go anywhere I'm going to be right back. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Step aside for a second. Oh, into the potty break phase. Um, <laughs> one of the games that I anticipate will come this year, and I really, really earnestly hope that this happens, um, is Animal Crossing. I am starved <sighs> for Animal Crossing on Switch. Um, this is like the longest break that we've had. Yeah since the launch of the original animal crossing like and and, you know they've been putting animal crossing games on the console and then again on the handheld and we're finally in a uh, in a situation um, where we fulfill both of those needs at the same time so there who knows what they could do with animal crossing at this point um i just want to (laughs) know give it to me yeah and like they they really stepped up the game with like new leaf and stuff like that and i think you know just like hey we can figure out like more ways to interact with you know uh, give players more control of what they're doing with their town um and again now that we're going back to like a home console that's also you know an hd console the last home console game we had was city folk and it was really underwhelming um and then we got new leaf and we're like oh this is so much better and now we have this like marriage of handheld and and home console and and the power to to do whatever like how else am i going to be able to interact with the world how um how are we going to be able to interact online 
you know, because that's a big component is like, well, not, not a huge component, but you can go and you can visit each other's towns. So like, can I go into your town even if you're not on, you know, and maybe it's persistent. Yeah. And I can like, I can do things in your town and, um, you know, what what else are we going to be able to do? I'd like they to see like, a, a way for us to live all in a town together and live in one town as a unit um i think mm. that'd be a really cool way to kind of bring it into the multiplayer and uh, push the franchise forward yeah that'd be yeah a definite no. step forward oh that oh my god now you got me thinking now my mind's just <laughs> racing i'm like i'm a huge fan of animal crossing i put like 200 hours into to new leaf um i think we could like get rid of the idea of the city maybe altogether, and just make the towns bigger um because if we're all living in the same town, if we just live in a bigger town, there's more uh, more animals there living, uh, more types of stores and places for us to go. Uh, if they all, if they centralize that, I think is where I'm getting. If they centralize all of those things, uh, I think they can make Animal Crossing uh, feel like a brand new experience. Yeah, and so maybe maybe that's why we haven't seen it yet. Maybe they're still cooking ideas. Maybe they're still finalizing like now that we have all these possibilities especially you know now maybe that's maybe that's the game that launches with the online oh that's a possibility maybe maybe paid online is going to be like well now that we have you know people paying for online we can just we can do this you know we can we can make sure we can do something that's more hefty and persistent uh in the cloud um that will make these kinds of ideas that we want to pull off for this game possible and so maybe maybe that's why we haven't seen it yet maybe they're still like okay i think we got this and maybe they finished it and we just don't know what what they're gonna do you know um how likely do you think it is that we'll see animal crossing this year i'm a pessimist so not very likely (laughs) I think in, in my mind, we see if we don't see Animal Crossing before E3, I don't think it's happening. Animal Crossing like is not all? a game you show at E3 because it doesn't show well. Right. Animal Crossing mm-hmm. is going to have to have its own dedicated direct, or maybe they throw it into a Nintendo direct, um, because E3 is not the place for that kind of game. Um, you don't understand Animal Crossing. Um, until you've sat there and you've played it because it's it's not that kind of like action-oriented experience where um everything is easy to, to digest immediately animal crossing is something you uh, you digest over time um so i i think if we don't see it before e3 i i, I would be uh unsure that we get it this year at all yeah i think i think nintendo is is working a ton behind the scenes and I think they're very careful about when they're announcing certain information. I think they're they're allowing it to like, okay, we're aiming for this, but we don't want to announce it before because maybe we want to give the devs a little bit more time because we want quality games and we don't want to, you know, unnecessarily give give anybody some un- unnecessary hope that a game is coming sooner rather than later uh, because uh, we want to give the devs enough time and space to to make the kind of games that they want to make and make the kind of games that are going to sell and engage and be you know they're going to push 
forward because that's that's what Nintendo tries to do. They're not just trying like, oh, we're going to put more power into our console. No, it's like okay, we're going to we want to change the way people play, and I think they do that not with just with their hardware but with their games. You know, just look at Breath of the Wild. They're like, okay, no, take your time with Breath of the Wild. We will delay that game indefinitely until it is at a place where people are like, yeah. Yeah, no, this is the game we wanted to play. And you saw that. You saw that with Odyssey and you saw that with Breath of the Wild. And I think they're taking that attitude and that approach because it pays off. You know, no, nobody's worried about if Nintendo's going to fail. And those who are, they're just in some sort of weird echo chamber that they're just hearing themselves over and over again. The Nintendo's doom or something like that. Uh, Nintendo is more confident than ever. And, and I think that gives them a freedom to think clearly. It's like, you know, we shouldn't just release games willy-nilly. We have enough firepower right now where we can have a steady stream of content and people are still buying the Switch for Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. Um, and they're so, building income in other ways now, like with mobile titles, um, the theme park that's coming, and the movies that will be coming out. And yeah, Exactly. So they're they're diversifying their investments, and, and all of a sudden they just like, oh, okay, we don't have to worry anymore. Um, and so I think with their, their game fronts, they're like, okay, we need to make sure we don't have uh another animal crossing amiibo festival <laughs> i think the world would have been better off if that game were just never released if that had never <laughs> happened know? yeah like oh it's literally just taking up space now you know mm -hmm. they just wanted something to release it with you know amiibo um and stuff Such like a that you move to make right they're <laughs> just trying to oh shoot how do we make money to stay afloat you know and I think now that they've started to figure that out, again, it takes the pressure off of them trying to just release games. Um, so I, I think Nintendo is going to tell us a lot less, but what they do tell us is going to be a lot sweeter. Very well said. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think I'm inclined to agree. Uh, Paul, so I've asked Logan kind of what he wants to see. Mm -hmm. What? Let me phrase it like this: What what does it take for you this year for Nintendo to be as successful or more successful than last year? Well, go, Logan touched on the rumor a bit that well, both of you guys touched on the rumor that Smash Bros. in 2018, and that alone would make the whole year for me. That is all I need from Nintendo to be happy in 2018 is just Smash Bros. alongside their uh, uh, role, or their online service. Um, I personally kind of doubt that we'll see it as much as I want it. I, it just... I feel like they're not going to roll out Smash Bros. just to spite us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, is they're that like, because... That guy, Paul, he was talking like about Smash Bros., and I, I want Smash Bros. so bad that they're just going to like, nah, I'm going to leave them frustrated. Um. <laughs> now, do you think that's because they're making a new game, or how? I I personally hope that they're making a new game. I would, I would take a port. In a heartbeat, I would take a port of Wii U and 3DS, and especially if they add new stuff. I don't think they necessarily need to make a new game there. Um, the last iteration was really, really solid. A lot of fun. Um, probably, like, for me, it's the best in the series so far. Yeah, me too. And so I, I wouldn't mind them keeping that and just adding more content and keep rolling out more content or um, 
if they combine like the 3ds stages with the wii u stages and give us all of that that's also worthwhile to me um, yeah i think honestly just real quick to interject is hmm. i think we'll get another splatoon 2 it regardless of what it is how iterative it is uh it will be billed as a new title oh so you mean mm -hmm. by name Yes, okay. by name, it, they will differentiate it from, and I think I think they they, they kind of to. set themselves up with that, um, uh, with, uh, you know, the the last entry, which was Super Smash Bros. for Wii U, Super Smash Bros. for 3DS, because I don't think, you know, they're kind of like, what else do we do with it? Well, what if they... I feel like they needed something other than that for the title, just because like it's really confusing when Super talking smash bros online <laughs> that would work what if they take really the naming scheme from the Sorry, previous yeah. two titles uh melee and brawl and just use another synonym for battle <laughs> that's what i'd like them to do it, it was really hard with like having two titles that are basically the same game but on different platforms with different names to like talk about smash 4 as like smash bros for wii u and smash bros for 3ds yeah, we basically it just defaulted to calling it Smash 4. Um, it was easier. Yeah. It would have been better if it was just called Smash 4. Well, I, I think the name in itself was also a pun. I don't know if Sakurai intended that or not, but we'll see. Um, if they just called this, like, Super Smash Brothers Scuffle or Super Smash Brothers Battle, I don't care. You, you know, Just keep rolling with that. Super Smash Brothers Arena. You can keep finding some way to just keep altering it so you get the same idea across, but Yeah. I'm I'm honestly leaning towards it becoming more of a platform. You know, uh less of just a a, a game that they're gonna be continuing having iterations on. I think it'll be like again, something akin to Super Smash Bros. online that This okay, is the last Super Smash Brothers game. Right. And then all we'll do is we'll get like we'll get different content updates, you know, maybe a little some of those will be in the form of, of DLC, but we'll we will see Nintendo start to treat Super Smash Bros like Overwatch or PUBG. You know, I'm not ever anticipating a PUBG 2. I'm not anticipating an Overwatch 2, you know. Uh, I'm not anticipating a Dota 3, you know. Super uh, Smash Brothers forever. That'd be a very appealing way to evolve the Smash Brothers series rather yeah. than just, oh hey, here's a new game with a couple more characters. And then think think about years. how think about how uh, think about how the internet has has changed gaming and just fundamentally, you know, how we interact on a day to day basis, um, how we present things. You know, there are certain franchises that it, it makes sense to continue to have iterations, you know, um, but there are certain definitely certain games, especially online multiplayer games that 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 exist much in, in a healthier environment when there is just this is it. And then we'll just keep releasing this game. Um, but I think what will happen is we will get Super Smash Bros, whatever it's called, and it will be the online game. We'll get cloud saves. We will have, like, accounts. I think you'll have your own Super Smash Bros account um, specifically for all that data and all of that collections. Maybe it's just through your Nintendo account or something. It's tied to your Nintendo mm -hmm. account. 
uh, but there will be a specific like you have your online stuff for that and then eventually when we get switch 2.0 or whatever comes out in the future you will just you will have that game it'll work on that and then you can continue playing online for that and they'll find new ways of just throwing in extra content to keep people coming back uh, new stories new game modes new uh, characters you know and they'll just find a way to make it so people just will keep playing this game indefinitely i mean people will always keep playing that game indefinitely oh of course of course <laughs> just so you if guys you, know cut out, smash 4 is actually bringing more numbers than melee at evo consistently even now because hmm. it's wow. the better game <laughs> Um, all, the, all the melee heads don't want to admit it, but it's the better game. It may not be the competitive game they're looking for, but as a game, it is by far the better game. Um, mm -hmm. We just need we need to keep pushing forward. Um, I agree with you. I think Smash as a platform honestly just makes them the most sense for that game series. Uh, there's no reason to keep releasing iterations. Um, like we go from Brawl, uh, we go from melee to Brawl. We lose a couple characters. We lose a ton of stages, we add a ton of characters, and we go from Brawl to Wii U, we add those characters we lost back in, and then add a bunch of new characters. Why not just keep what we have, and just build on that, and, and build it, on yeah. that, and build on that? Yeah. Going back to the uh, topic at hand, <laughs> um, looking at 2018, um, with that online, you know, kind of out in September, just kind of hanging there, it really adds a lot of questions as to what we can expect from this year. And I mean, one of the things I'm waiting for with this online service is Virtual Console, which I've been waiting for forever. There's a lot of titles that I wanted to buy for my Wii U that I'm holding off on, because if I can just wait and eat it on Switch, that's where I want to play it. So I'm waiting to find out what's happening with that. Um, Smash Bros, so like if you were describing like an online Smash Bros game, that's a very, very appealing way to get people into the service to pay have they given an official price for it yet twenty dollars a year okay yeah that's a very good way to appeal to people to you know drop the twenty dollars a year to subscribe to the service um one of the things that i want them to do with it i was uh, have you guys listened to i think last week's nintendo voice chat podcast yes i think so yeah there's that very big reveal that like Without the cloud saves, it's very easy to lose all of your save data. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly I'm paranoid that I'm going to lose all my save data. And so I'm really hoping that's a feature they bring. There's no way. There's no way that's not a feature. There will be cloud saves. And if there isn't cloud saves, I will have a fit. They have to tie <laughs> it to the Nintendo account system. Um, they've built it. They're building on it. And they need to keep adding features to it. Um, they need a reason for people to want a Nintendo account in the first place. Um, and cloud saves, I think, would bring a ton of people to the service. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine there'd be a good amount of people who just wouldn't pay for the online service and they just leave Nintendo entirely just because they wouldn't have cloud saves with that service. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons they pushed it back because they're trying to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so once I really hope that, real quick, during the last investors meeting, um, one of the things uh, one of the developers said is that we don't have anything to say right now, but the next time we have something to say about uh, Nintendo Switch Online, it's going to be big. I'm really hoping that, like, right now our current picture is that they're going to feel this really big game to launch alongside of it. 
I'm really hoping it's more than one really big game. They can't, I think that they would can't kind of, just uh, hang on one title and release an entire yeah, service for one game. A variety of experiences for the consumers to play with it. It can't just be like, hey, here's Splatoon and Smash Brothers, and that's the reason why you're paying 20 bucks a year. How come ARMS and Mario Kart 8 are not on Switch Online app already? Why? They have this app that they released, and they only gave us uh, Splatoon 2 functionality. doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's just because Splatoon came later. <laughs> Wait, it, no, ARMS did come later, yeah. Who knows? I think ARMS <laughs> came first. I think they're figuring out a lot of things behind the scenes and that eventually, like, you know, the curtain's going to open up and everything makes sense. One it's of the, already starting to. One of the things we did find out um, because of Payday 2 is that Nintendo will not allow games to have voice chat that don't utilize the Switch Online application. Ew. <laughs> that tells me, at the very least, that they want uh, that they want the Switch Online app to be built upon. So that gives me some hope. At the same time, that's an awful, awful decision. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just um, want to use Discord on my Switch. At this really? point, we're probably just going to keep using Discord because Nintendo's current offering just doesn't cut it. Logan, you right. and I tried the Switch Online app for voice chat, and while the functionality is pretty cool, like if you're playing Splatoon 2 and you end up on a different team than the person you're playing with, it'll cut it'll cut voice between the two of you so that you can't communicate during that. Um, that's even really that's really cool in private battles as well. Like if you uh, just have the teams assigned randomly, you will always get grouped in in voice chat with your team. That's cool. Build that um, in Discord. In Discord, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or take up on Discord's offer to help build your app and make it better. Oh please. Um, last thoughts in terms of what I'm hoping for in 2018. Um, I'm really, really hoping that they'll bring a lot of those like outlying franchises that haven't gotten love lately. Um, so obviously my go-to is F-Zero because I love F-Zero and I want to see more of it. That's um, another online uh, game that, you know, would be cool. And another online game that I want to see is Kid Icarus. I need another Kid Icarus. I loved what they dropped. Or it was Uprising for the 3DS. Yep loved uprising and i want more of that i want it i'm left-handed and so using the stylus for a lot of the controls was difficult but i still managed for that game because i loved it that much i want to see them kind of use the gyro controls of splatoon to kind of improve on that and make it more playable for people like me but even if they can't i i I want it I yeah. want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. I, I want to see a Kid Icarus Uprising port, and I want to see a sequel that used the Splatoon 2-style controls. They actually just added that exact control scheme to Doom, which is awesome. They need to do oh, that with games more games. need a motion control option. Yes. And, uh, I mean, and it's funny because, like, it's totally possible on other consoles, too. Yeah, you know, there's gyroscopes stuff in, like, the PS4 controller. It, it gives you the kind of... Um, movement fidelity that you need in order to uh play those games effectively and uh Mm -hmm. a game like uh, doom doom is incredibly quick shooter you have to be very fast to play that game so playing that on a controller isn't exactly ideal um so playing that with a controller plus motion controls that's perfect why aren't more Mm -hmm. games doing that do it with kid icarus bring it to switch and make a sequel and i think they'll really help sell that idea going forward for other games yeah. Oh, uh, Resident uh, Evil Revelations 1 and 2 also has that functionality, by the way. 
Nice. Yes. Yes. But ultimately, I want to see them kind of... Um, in 2018, I want to see kind of a step away from a bunch of ports. I understand, like, why they have so many ports and why they keep coming. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who haven't been able to play these games. Like, it's still appealing. And there's a lot of titles that, even though I already own it on a different platform, I want to experience it again on my Nintendo Switch. Um, but I'd, one of the last few ports that I want to see come would be Mario Maker. By the time I got that for my Wii U, it kind of died off. And they put it on the 3DS, but... And then they killed me I'd for rather not. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd much rather have that on the Switch. I think that right now, especially with, um, if they can manage to actually have the life cycle of the console be the 10 years that they want it to be, um, they'd ultimately uh, benefit from having Mario Maker on that system. Or even if they want to remake it and, um, you know, Mario Maker 2 or whatever they have to do, I feel like that is a title that would do phenomenally on the switch with this idea can, of nintendo I, labo and creation i think mario maker is a given i think it's coming i i also i could see mario maker getting a release on the switch whether whether it be mario maker 2.0 and, and i think me and brandon have talked about this previously about what form mario maker could take on the switch and what they could do with it um mm-hmm. And, and I really want to see more ambitious, like, structures that you could give people that people could literally just make a full Mario game if they wanted to. And I could I could go over here to, Mar- to, to Brandon's profile and I could be like, okay, I'm going to play his level set and, uh, you know, customize with animations and a little cutscenes and stuff like that. Um, and then I could also see them releasing it with, like, uh, a stylus that would work on the nintendo switch you know I because that would be to that as well um yeah mario yeah, go maker for, it, for uh for for controlling mario maker on nintendo switch we are losing a pretty important aspect of that um with the gamepad um if you want to play the game on your tv and also build you're either going to have to point and click um or you're gonna have to use a joystick and no one wants to do that in my mind nintendo has been pushing their mobile space pretty hard recently if, if they make Mario Maker for Nintendo Switch, I think they should release a companion app that uh, allows you to build your stages um, on your smartphone so that you can use your touchscreen controls and interact with it in that way. Uh, I think that's an incredibly smart decision. Um, tons of people have smartphones. It'll garner more interest in the game just for, people, uh, just for the fact that people see it on the App Store. Um, I think there's a lot of good reasons that they should do that. Um, you know, they might just build fun. that into their Switch Online app, too. Oh, there you go. That's a perfect way to do that. I really hope if they do something like that, too, that you could just, like, I want you to play my level, hit the share button, and send it to your friend. Perfect. The share system in Mario Maker on Wii U was a nightmare. <laughs> you had to use Miiverse, and it just was not intuitive at all. And, you know, it ended up destroying Miiverse in the end. So if there's a share button that just like sends the stage directly to your friend's system, like you skip the social media aspect, just go straight to the person that you're trying to send the stage to. That'd be perfect. Like even if it just like through the app, you send it to this friend and then the friend just gets a link that they click it and then I don't know. More integration with the smartphone and the switch would be nice. Yeah. 
especially if they're going to force you to use a separate application on your phone. It'd be nice if you can control certain things on your system. Yeah, I think that's a, a smart move. Um, now that we've said that, Nintendo, they're going to disappoint us by not doing any of what we just <laughs> said. <laughs> that's how life works. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think Mario Maker is a given. I would honestly prefer to see Mario Maker in a sequel rather than just a port. Because uh, like Logan said, there's a lot of things that I'd like to see them add to uh, Super Mario Maker. Um, maybe release that with a brand new 2D Mario game. Maybe just the brand new Mario game is like built into Super Mario Maker 2. So here's the new Mario game, and then here's this little button you press, and now you're in Mario Maker mode. Um, yeah, like kind of like a... a a single release that includes like they have both of the titles like here's the new super mario bros not new super mario bros um new 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 super mario bros game and then you know also with super mario maker 2.0 yeah makes both of those things clear on the box um bring those new elements that you add into the new super mario brothers game that is on uh on the cartridge and add those elements into mario maker 2 um, and you got yourself a really stellar package. That's a very mm-hmm. good value for the customer. Also, and I think it'll have make, some design tutorials. Yeah, I think also it'll give people, uh, it'll interest people more in a new side-scrolling Mario since we're all kind of burnt out on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that could do a lot of good. Um, anything else for Nintendo in 2018? I'm not, not expecting a lot. <laughs> There's one idea that's been in like the back of my mind about um, the future of the system itself and how they choose to expand it. And I'm really hoping that they never, ever, ever name like a new iteration of it the new Nintendo Switch. (laughs) That's all I got. Super (laughs) Super Switch. Nintendo Switch. (laughs) I'd I'd rather have like a number iteration thing like Switch 2.0, Switch 3.0. Something like that. The but, Nintendo uh, Switch D4. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. Sold. Well, I think that concludes the discussion for this week, gentlemen. Um, real quick, you can find our social media links bef- below all of our camera feeds in the video version. I am at Baba Babs. Logan is at Logie Doves. Paul is at Gunnysaurus. You can find us at The Breakroom Arcade on Twitter. You can find us at Breakroom Arcade on Facebook, on Twitch, on YouTube, on pretty much everything. You can find this podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play for all of you audio listeners out there. Please subscribe to us, like us, and leave us some feedback. Um, all of that helps us uh, help support the show, helps it grow. Um, if you have friends who are into this kind of thing, let them know about it. We broadcast every week, Saturday at 1 p.m., um if that ever has to change we'll let you guys know through our social media channels next week we have a very special episode for you guys last week we mentioned how our friends josiah gooden and isaac gooden completed their kickstarter for their video game volpine coming to pc uh later this year we're gonna have them on the show here live asking them questions about their development time uh what it's like developing a video game how they feel about having completed the kickstarter for volpine where they want to see themselves here in the next year or two um and if you submit questions to us we'll even ask your questions so throw some questions in the comments tweet them at us uh or leave them as uh, comments on the youtube video so definitely look forward to that also check out our website i worked 
really hard on it, so please. Yeah, Paul please did a lot of work this week. We all did a lot of work this week, actually, um, making everything all pretty and nice looking. Uh, I want to thank you also, guys. Also, join us on Discord. Oh, yes, join us on our Discord. You can find that on the website. There's a link for it at the bottom of the homepage. Oh, to go. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> you can also leave your questions for next week um, in the Discord server. Uh, and tell us what you're up to. Yeah, let us know. We might talk about it on the show in a coming episode. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys who are watching on the video version. Um, we're going to see you next Saturday. Anything else you want to say, boys, before we sign off? No. No, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> don't break your backs. Breaking the games. Break time's over. We'll see you next week. <laughs>